Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to The Horror Hangout, a podcast where two bearded film fans watch the best and worst horror movies of all time and talk about them. My name is Ben Errington and I'm joined by co-host Mr. Andy Conduit-Turner. Hello, Ben. Hello, Andy everybody. Conduit-Turner, with a voice like a freshly whipped cream. I don't know where I was going with that. I don't know where I was going with that. Do you think the bearded film fans bit is like, because I think at the start, me and Luke did have quite a lot of beard going on mm-hmm. i feel like mine's considered to be shorter these days and yours is only a, a smattering yeah and you got a little should we should beard. we continue to have that as a keyword in the intro as the, I, in the log line of the podcast i did notice that for when we have a guest that doesn't have a beard you just say film fans yeah because i don't want to get into that scenario where and make those crap jokes you know where you go sorry I'm, i didn't realize you could grow a beard and they go oh, i've just had a shave and you're like oh <laughs> Yeah, come on. Silly. We're not on what channel does shit jokes and, like that? Dick and Dom. Dick and Dom. I, uh, actually, I know, I'm they're very Dick funny. And, <laughs> Dick and Dom, very funny, yeah. I'm sorry, Dick and Dom. I don't know why I immediately went for the junkular of Dick and Dom there. Yeah, uh, comedy masterclass funny. over there. Like Either way, we're not on ITV3 here, guys. Come on. Oh, I don't know. What's on ITV3? don't know. Celebr- exactly celebrity why. Juice. Oh, again, very successful in its time. Hasn't that ended now? Real life horror. I think it's over, yeah. I think it's over. Real life horror. Uh, how are you? I'm good. I'm good, you thank know, you. I tell you what, I'm watching a lot of films recently. My eyes aren't half tired. Yeah, I know. I mean, as someone who's like... I watch quite a lot of films anyway, I would say. I'm a, Most evenings, I my first thought is what movie to find to watch rather than TV show. I'm much more a movie guy. Uh, and even considering that, this has been, the last few weeks, watching everything at Fright Fest has been pretty intense, I'll admit. And I think, Ben, we should take a moment to congratulate ourselves here. Fright Fest is certainly the biggest of the UK horror horror genre um, film festivals that goes out there. Over 40 films, including shorts and everything, that are screening over the course of this long weekend. Um 
And you and I, from remotely in our various parts of the country between us, have seen, what, 25 movies? Well, 25 movies, including uh, Lucy as well. So Lucy Buglis, who was who joined us last week as well, she actually physically attended the festival, uh, whereas we merely watched from afar, not like in a weird peeping Tom way, but, you know, just in a in legitimate press way, <laughs> in a legitimate press way. Um, so I think, yeah, between us and Lucy, she uh, due to scheduling conflict, should we say that? Couldn't yeah. join us for this part of the recording. But once me and Andy have discussed all the films we've seen, we're going to cut that's by the by the magic of uh, audio editing, which isn't that magic, really. You know, it's pretty easy. Uh, by the magic of audio just editing, <laughs> it's just science. Lucy will turn up and talk about the film she watched as well. Um, so yeah, I think between the three of us, we've covered probably about twenty-five films. And I think even if you attend the festival, you know, to to cover that many films would be quite a an, an achievement in itself. Ever so tired? You'd be ever so tired. You your eyes would need to be opened up like uh, in Clockwork Orange. Yeah, you'd what need film, some that, what... or at least some little eye drops to really moisten them. What film is it? I've just had a memory. Um, I think it's a Jalo film where there's like some sort of tape with little pins on them, just to put, just stuck under someone's eyes, so that if they close them in any way, the pins go like right into their eyes. Oh, I've not, not seen that particular House of Horrors. I think it might be a Dario Argento film, possibly. Uh, anyway, that was a little memory unlocked there. Thinking of that, yeah, tweet um, in guys if you know what that film is. I'd love to find out. Yeah, pins in the eyes film. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so yeah, we've watched a lot, a Laura Laura horror, yeah. and I'm happy to say that it's not over yet. Anyway, we still have, you know, there, there are a few screeners that, um, you know, publishing and promotion companies are good enough to see us, but they expired before we got chance to watch them because there's a lot to watch. I'm quite happy to say that if we, if they get reactivated by anyone, if we pick up others in the aftermath of this, I'm happy mm. to continue watching this because it... overall good festival this year there's a possibility that we may still have um so obviously over the last couple of weeks we've been putting out some bonus content some bonus episodes with interviews with filmmakers um whose films are premiering in some format at fright fest we've still possibly got a couple more that we may be able to put out uh so obviously this is the bonus episode uh, sorry this is the special episode covering fright fest but i don't think it will be the end of, of our coverage immediately so yeah, more we'll, to come. We'll continue. we'll continue to pump it out. Uh, and yeah, the only other thing to say is we didn't see everything that, that premiered at the festival. There was some things that were like world premieres that unless you were there, but you couldn't see uh, other things that we didn't get a chance to see. So not everything, but we will. Hopefully in the episode, there will be time codes showing you exactly where in the episode we talk about certain movies. So if you only want to hear about particular films, which, you know, you may do then you can skip ahead. Uh, but if you skip ahead, skip back, all right? Yeah. Come on. We're not going to dictate the chronology of how you listen to this episode, but do listen to it all if you can. We've watched a lot of movies to produce this. Yeah, I know. It's been, it's been, good, it's been good fun. And obviously, we did Fright Fest in Glasgow earlier this year, and we did that remotely as well. I'm, I'm happy to... Well, I'm confident, sorry, should I say, that we will be attending one of the Fright Fest events next year in some format in person, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna uh, go. As long as no get there. As long as no like 
disease comes around that makes you stay housebound again, I very much intend to at yeah. very least go to Glasgow because it is less than an hour from my house. I should be able to make it that far. I Because I had a bit of FOMO. I don't know about you. And yeah. A little bit of FOMO. There's um, lovely pictures. We don't. I don't want to spoil Lucy's stories, but she looks like she had a great time. Yeah, she had a great time, and obviously, it just seems like all of the horror fam coming together, enjoying horror movies. A lot of really interesting people, um, and a lot of great, well-respected uh, filmmakers and creatives from the horror genre as well involved. Um, I think we got to get ourselves there. We got to get ourselves on the in front of the media wall. Andy. Yeah, get ourselves there for some lovely pictures. Get nice matching outfits for us to wear as when we go. I do sometimes right, wonder t-shirts. about the, the wider horror community. Will they be delighted by enraged at our sometimes irreverent takes on you know on, on some genre pieces? I know a lot of people are like, you have to respect things. No, you don't. You can, you can like things and not necessarily be deferential. You can like things. Everything. You can think Congo is a horror movie. You know, all... <laughs> all I mean, opinions are supported I'm a, I'm a really chill guy Ben you, you should know this by now I'm not I'm not a fighty man but if someone comes up to me and says that Congo isn't a horror film Ooh, that's uh, it. well Windmill. I'll be cool I'll be, I'll be cool about it until they walk away then I'll punch them in the back oh god <laughs> got him <laughs> got him <laughs> absolutely and all's fair in love and punching people in the back it would seem yeah. and Congo All's fair, yeah. love and conga. That was a much far better line. Thank you for picking it up. I'd offer them uh, some sesame cake, and after they're taking a big bite of it, I'd be like, "Do you want to stop eating that? Stop You're really cross about it." <laughs> Andy, are you wearing some sort of knit knitwear? I am. I'm wearing a nice no, jumper. No, 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 chilly in Scotland, is it? Well, weather's on the turn up here. It's getting a little bit chilly. It's still a warm day down here in the in the south in the south of England. Uh, I've, I've had a, I've had enough. I've had a guts full. It's, you know, it's almost September. In my eyes, September, the countdown to Halloween begins. Let's have a bit of chill in the air, please. Oh, we're getting there be... up here. We'll, I'll send some down your way. Please waft it towards me. Uh, okay. Um, horror news. One of the things I wanted to talk about on horror news is uh, involving a movie which premiered at Fright Fest. It's one of the movies we didn't get to see, but... Uh, there was officially a trailer and a theatrical release date for Terrifier 2, which was announced. Obviously, if you went to Fright Fest uh, and you did see Terrifier 2, lucky you. We hope you enjoyed it. Um, it's coming out on October the 6th uh, in theatres nationwide. Um, and yeah, there's an official trailer which shows Art the Clown causing absolute chaos uh, and the sheer ultraviolence that goes alongside that. Apparently, it will erupt in theatres, which sounds dangerous. Um, on October the sixth. So I don't know if that's the UK release. I guess we'll find out more, and it'd be interesting to find out if it's going to stream as well. Have you seen Terrifier? I've not seen Terrifier. Have you seen Terrifier? I've not seen Terrifier. No. You know what we should probably do then. Then I think what? Terrifier with a sequel coming up, and we've been talking about our agenda for the coming months. So much great content coming along. So it might not be when it first comes out, but maybe shortly afterwards. Hmm. maybe a cheeky double, double episode bill. with someone who's good at extreme horror if only we knew someone that fit that description and loved an extreme ultra-violent movie, is... a previous guest I, I, I'm sure I know who you mean is Terrifier extreme horror? 
Or is it? It, it? I think it leans into the extreme, at least okay. marketing-wise, it claims to be extreme. I mean, if we knew someone who was very into that genre, they would tell us where that falls yeah. into that, or they're absolute pretenders. <laughs> absolute pretenders, and it wouldn't go anywhere near the extreme horror iceberg, which uh, we obviously discussed with Zoe before. I'm assuming you're talking about Zoe, right? I am talking about Zoe. I'm not saying wavelength here, mate. Um yeah, so obviously we've been make we have been making. I guess this is a this is a horror news moment as well. Um, we have been making plans for the next couple of months. It's, it's usually we plan things a month ahead, but uh, we've been chatting to a lot of interesting people and planning some special episodes, including. Um, so next month we're gonna be covering. So I think the first week of September we're gonna be covering signs. Uh, which celebrated its 20th anniversary recently. So, and we've never covered an M. Night Shyamalan movie. I guess the only other one you would really cover would be Sixth Sense, actually, The Visit as well. Yeah. Uh, oh, no, we covered old. What am I on about? Oh, the beach, what makes you get old, of course. We've done a beach that makes you get old. I'm bloody feeling ancient on this beach. Uh, go home then. So, yeah, oh, we're going to cover... black out. <laughs> can, exactly. Cover signs. Uh, and then we're going to cover Silver Bullet, uh, werewolf movie adaptation of the cycle of the werewolf book stephen king and janine pipe the author of sausages the making of dog soldiers will be joining us for that of course we've got a chat uh a werewolf movie with her um we're also going to be joined by cult of vhs um producer aaron truss who obviously we did a bonus episode recently and video store kev who features in who features in uh uh cult of vhs documentary as well He's going to be joining us to discuss Night of the Creeps, which I've never seen. No, me You've either. Seen. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm aware of it. Is Night of the Creeps the one that very heavily influences Sliver? Yeah, I think so, because it's like slugs. Yeah, sluggies. Yeah, um, I should say it properly. Sliver, not Sliver. Not that one where people, where that man has, like, that one's where have, has cameras in those hotel rooms and watches people knocking on. Not that knocking one. On. Oh, right. Sli- slither with it slither with a th about slug monsters bloody knock it on mate um and then also we're gonna be we discussed this obviously previously when when the liams were they joined us for wait what did we discuss with the liams uh the burning old uh the burning old cropsy yeah, of course i don't know where i went then my head went somewhere <laughs> completely cropsy. different cropsy old cropsy old croppers roy cropper um they're gonna be well well it's gonna be a quiz episode we haven't done a quiz since last uh christmas new year time for a lovely quiz yeah end of last year we just did one so yeah what a time obviously that that makes sure that will that the be luke conda forever time is that going to be his glorious return (laughs) i reckon what's going to happen right is it's good it's going to look like it's going to be me versus just those two and i'm going to be all alone but then suddenly like gandalf the white on a hill, on a on a hillside, <laughs> Luke will turn up. He'll have the same hair as Gandalf, um, and he'll come to my aid at the turn of the tide. That'll be when he comes in. Turn Either that, tide, or yeah. like you'll be there. Your Zoom window will be there. The Liams will be like, "Oh, our scores combined are going to beat you." And then the video. I mean, sorry, a V8, VFX nightmare for you, Ben. A little portal is going to appear. It's going to be there, and you'll hear Luke Condor say, "On your left," and he's going to come out striding out there. And everyone watching will go and get all his absolutely questions mad. Hey! <laughs> Standing up and clapping. And, and as I said, and then they'll get all his questions wrong. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then obviously, and then October, even though we're not locked in for this, but some things we could possibly cover in October include 
Hellraiser, new Hellraiser, that comes out. Yeah. Halloween ends. That so that's out. almost certain, right? Halloween that's almost ends. certain. Yeah. Uh, and I think we've discussed a Halloween special is going to be Ghost Watch, um, with Mr. John Crinan joining us for that one. So loads and loads of stuff to look forward to. Loads of special guests. Oh wait, October as well. Sorry, I forgot. Alice Taylor Matthews will return to discuss uh, Army of Darkness Look because a bonanza because she's introducing Evil Dead Two at the Forbidden Worlds Festival and hopefully we'll have an a exclusive interview with the um, organizers of that as well in October. So what do you say? What do you say to that? I say what an embarrassment of riches our listeners are uh, looking at over the coming couple of months. And that's only the scheduled stuff. We got some bonus stuff to catch up on. Now we're not up to our necks in um, interviews and so on, which I'm not going to complain about. They've been fantastic. Your interviews in particular, Ben. Chef's kiss. What? Oh, I didn't kiss any chefs. I'll yeah. have you know. Oh. <laughs> that's good. Uh, I you mean... could be fooled because you've obviously gained their talent for absolute <laughs> masterpieces. Um, yeah. Um, it's, been good fun. it's been great fun chatting to... Uh, filmmakers obviously andy you had a great interview as well with john ainsley the director of yeah one of the movies we're going to discuss today so got some more of them coming but yeah it's going to be nice now we're as we end our run of some interviews and so on get back to some of those other bonus bits we were looking to do some some more top tens some more speculation i tell you what i haven't i'm springing this on you live but with some of the foreign language movies we've done i'd love to get together for a bonus to do a top 10 you know for a couple of bonuses where we do a top 10 horror movies in language x so you know we do mm. a japanese language horror film we do a french language we do a spanish language because there's been so many great yeah. foreign language movies that I, I think we're getting exposed to more by doing events like this mm -hmm. yeah definitely i agree with that um, i'm going to spring someone else on you you spring Go someone on. on me i'll spring someone right back on you um i know we discussed potentially and we never we never got around to it, so I do apologize to our listeners if you felt excited by this. We did talk about doing a Resident Evil TV show bonus episode. Yes. Have you heard the news? Oh, back into horror news. Smooth segue there, Ben, but I have heard the news. Don't think I've been bloody bloody cancelled. And I know that it's driven a lot of those conversations about the Netflix model and how it works, right? Yeah. Because I saw um, one of the creators on Netflix who had um, a series, apologies, I didn't take note of the name or the associated series now saying, if you want to support something, please put it on and let it run all the way through in the first week of it being done. Mm, yeah. And what a backwards way of looking at a series um, success, right? Yeah. The idea of how its success is judged by how fast people binge it and smash it in a day yeah and then i think didn't somebody comment was it neil gaiman made a comment this week as well i think we're discussing i think an extra sandman episode got put out and then i think somebody made a comment saying well oh add-on add-on features is it oh, i haven't even made my work my way through the first series and i think he was like you've all been left behind like so you can't watch things at your own pace with for fear of getting left behind and I mean, I can't do that because there's just so much stuff out there. When new things drop, I can't just go, oh, I have to dedicate yeah. eight hours. I feel, I feel like I've said this days. for the last three or four weeks, Ben. It's fast becoming my catchphrase. 
like content is infinite like my free time isn't like i can't like you could like we produce a weekly podcast where it's in our interest to keep up with things that are coming out and watch them and even Mm. then it's not possible to see all the things that come out like it's really depressing to see things cancelled when you might have really enjoyed them but like you can't just drop everything i know resident evil in particular had a drop off because it had a mixed fan reaction um Mm. but you know it's very strange that I couldn't. Things don't really get time to get to their audience or for people to really absorb them, right? Yeah. Unfortunately, I couldn't bring myself to continue watching it. I, I don't know what it was. You know, when something just doesn't grab you, and then like the fault of trying to go and watch even more of it, even though it's like a property that I'm a huge fan of, and I was quite excited to see various Easter eggs and inclusions and stuff. I just don't know. It just didn't grab me enough that I, the thought of watching it again, I felt like a chore. You know, yeah. when you're a bit like, oh, I've got to watch this. Uh, and, you know, it's not just Resident Evil. There have been plenty of things. There have been a couple of the Marvel shows, um, which I felt a bit like that with, like going back, oh, I want to complete it. I want to be a completionist and watch all of this. And I kind of feel like I can't. Like, it's a it's a big commitment. Um, I think Resident Evil, I think they did announce, like, some potential plans for season two they had as, like, a little bonus for fans, didn't they? Did you see that? Oh, I've not seen that. Like, I'll maybe I'll read them at some point and see what thought, they were going to do with it. <laughs> they were so weird that I thought it was like a parody. I thought somebody had like gone, "Well, you gutted about Resident Evil getting cancelled, are you? Here's what you could have won," and it was like some mad, mad shit. Like a tyrant rips a zombie elephant in half, uh, and it was like a giant, a giant King Kong sized mandrill takes san francisco and i was like oh yeah <laughs> and i looked and it was like oh no these are apparently all real plans <laughs> like Man. some some effects supervisor or something came out of it now i am disappointed that hasn't been made like that for all the things that people didn't enjoy about uh, about this like still like for some reason i don't know what the deal is i occasionally get a drip feed of when i made it i tweeted about um how i'd enjoyed the series and a guy replied, went, no, didn't enjoy it. What do you watch? And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Like, like, I still get an occasional person that likes him. Yeah, you're wrong for liking that thing. Like, it's fine. Like what you want. Um, but, yeah, it's um, it's a shame that it, I, I can see why it didn't resonate with everyone. I think the writing was was of a time. I think I will still stand up to defend the book. Because, oh, them teenagers are annoying and they make silly decisions. That's what teenagers do. Teenagers are quite annoying and they make stupid decisions. Um, like, but I, I liked about the Resident Evil series that they went to do something different because say what you like about uh, the direction they took on it. You've also seen in very recent history what happens when you try to just lift and shift it fairly hard mm. and don't yeah give it its own space or its own flavor mm-hmm. i um i watched well i'll get into the movie i watched uh and what we've been watching which is up next but i watched uh beast with idris elba and he's got two teenage daughters in and it almost felt like that felt like a much more believable dynamic of like a father and two very different and potentially difficult in their own ways teenage daughters and because it takes place in Africa, there was a moment when they go into like an abandoned African village. And I was like, ah, if this turned out to be Resident Evil 5, 
I would be on board. You'd be on board. Idris, the new Chris Redfield, punching on. Yeah, and having like his teenage daughters a bit. I, it, it, I don't know. And it was some. And unfortunately for me, it was something where the Resident Evil TV show. I never quite got that feeling. You know, when you get a feeling where you're like, I'm excited to see where this goes, and I'm looking forward to this. It always felt like I was too already anticipating, not <laughs> liking it. And you know, sure, that's my, that's my pro- probably my fault my problem but i think that's why i only made three episodes because i don't know well ben me and your mom both enjoyed it very much separately we haven't watched it together or discussed it but i know (laughs) she's a big fan she loved it and she loved welcome to raccoon city well i don't know if she loved but she said she said of both both was good and she was surprised i didn't like it kind of made me feel a bit guilty where she was almost trying to like shame me into be like i thought you liked resident evil Oh, that's that's one of those things as well though like I, I think with some things it's it's strange things are things resonate with different people like my mom has no interest in following a lot of the like the superhero stuff or the marvel stuff that you know i quite enjoy big fan though i know she watches quite a lot of the cw stuff which i've never engaged with at all like yeah, she watches yeah, okay. She's watched The Flash, like she's a couple of seasons into that. She was really into Gotham when that was on, and I was for me, I was just like, nah. But <laughs> my, my mom really, my mom really enjoyed it, and she's like, oh, you like this stuff, don't you? Like a bit of Batman, and I go, yeah, I do, but I just didn't, didn't even, I didn't even think to try that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. There we go. Tastes, tastes are different. Uh, and the other piece of news before we move on to what we've been watching is uh, Mr. Harrigan's Phone, a Netflix adaptation of the Stephen King uh, book. There have been... Wait, book? No, short story, isn't it? Anyway. It'll be yeah, available it, in book form. It'll be available in book form, and so, whether it's a short book or a long book. Uh, one of them long books. So I think the print is. Make writing first... small enough. Any book could be a short book. The first image has... Uh, yeah, I think it's from that If It Bleeds short stories collection. Okay. Uh, yeah, so first images from that. It's got a kid from what's his name, Jaden Martell, who was a kid who was in it. Donald Sutherland is in it, recluse as a reclusive billionaire. Uh, but then Mr. Harrigan sadly passes away. Craig discovers not everything is dead and gone, and strangely finds himself able to communicate with his friend through the gra- from beyond the grave through his iPhone. Ghost iPhone, Mr. Harrington's iPhone. Mr. Har- Mr. Harring Harrigan. Harrigan. I'm like, why is this kid got? Why is this kid best friends with an old fella? Hey, hey. Must be a cool old fella. They've got an iPhone. What a cool oh, dude. Yeah. That's true. I let him off actually. What a cool. I guess great it depends guy. what number it is. If he's got like an original one, he's got an iPod Touch. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's it for for horror news. Apart from, I guess we're going to what we've been watching. I'm assuming not much. Other than Fright Fest movies. One thing that I have watched outside Fright Fest, but Ben, there's one thing I want to, we won't have to dwell on it long. It's only horror adjacent based on some of the content. Dropped hot and fresh, I think, today. That Cyberpunk trailer for the animated series on Netflix. That does look a bit tasty, doesn't it? Looks frantic. Looks like absolute madness. Frantic uh, in the description. Not safe for work. And I'm like, (laughs) Play. If I, right. I I work from home, so I work from home. You can't control me. There you go. Yeah, that looks very looks very special. 
doesn't it just was there anything that you've seen apart from um so yeah apart from a wealth of fright fest content i'm only going to touch on these pieces briefly um the mummy uh, the tom cruise one that i've never seen before um it came up because i accidentally while i was putting netflix on to look for something that you might watch i fudged the button press and press surprise me and that's what came up and once it started we thought yeah, go on. Is there is there a button that says surprise me? Yeah, surprise me. It just plays yeah, yeah. something that's based it just on just plays your... it. Don't even it just, go. Well, it comes up this. and says, Hey, this is a 15. All right with you. I was like, that's fine. Please proceed. <laughs> Looked around. Yeah. No 14 year olds in it. Absolutely not. So we're good to go. Good. Um, so we you know, we just let it let it go. And it was Tom Cruise's the mummy. We thought, you know what, let's give it a go. Like I know it got a bad rap because of all the dark universe stuff and everything like that. And it's not. It's no Brendan Fraser and Co's The Mummy. But it's all right, you know. It ain't that bad. What about Russell Crowe? I liked it when he turns to cheeky old Mr. Hyde. He turns from being, oh, I'm all Dr. Right. Jackal to, oh, it's me, Mr. Fucking Hyde. Oh, my, don't you mug me oh, off. Give you, you know what I call Mr. Hyde for? Give you a right damn good hiding. Is that's what I do. <laughs> and he thumps him, wazzes him around the room a little bit. Um, Honestly, though, I really don't remember much about it apart from that. Oh, it is it is huge cinematic universe bait throughout. Yeah, uh, it, oh, yeah is it is it is a Dracula skull and is a Gilman hand and here's a werewolf face. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, I mean, it's pretty annoying. But it? it's um, it's all right, you know. There's there's some decent action in it, um, and the mummy mummy's good. But yeah. The mummy. But it's, nice. that was good, so I watched that. Um, much like you get in ancient Egypt, I went and saw a serpent at the um, at the at the local museum and gallery this week. I went to see an exhibition called "The Serpent of Capitalism," which in today's world, real life horrors, Ben, yeah, was uh, quite an interesting little viewing of like both the sculpture of the titular serpent of capitalism itself and then lots of like you know quite stark images of the things that the system works lots of uh, messaging about it which i you know found a really interesting watch if you're in the scotland area i believe it's touring other museums right now it's in the perth gallery and museum in these times of uh, trying cost of living challenges and so on an interesting watch a little bit of arts and culture for you mm. here but then Segwaying neatly on, the greatest horror of all, Ben, that we talked about last week, of course, the horror of what the serpent of capitalism drives a lot of people to, probably homelessness. And I'm off this very Sunday, mate, is the day. What? Yeah. What segue. I've got to get myself on my bicycle. I'm going to go to start in Glasgow. I'm going to ride my bike to Edinburgh with um, some friends, including my wife, who is also my friend. Um <laughs> Uh, we're riding. Is she 60, listening? Is she listening? Miles. Uh, my wife doesn't listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> Say what you want. Say yeah. what you want. She is my friend. Miles. That's on the record. Yeah, 60 miles. It's going to be hard. My legs will be ever so tired. But we are raising money to help people not be homeless by a company called Social Bite that are, you know, working to build people houses and give them secure employment and a safe place to live and eat and so on as well, which. I do actually care about. I'm usually very silly here, but I do care about that. So I'm willing to make my legs dead tired by riding 60 miles to support it. And you want to sponsor me to do that? Throw some shekels, not my way, 
to the way direct to the charity, then you can do that. Um, famous cyclist Chris Hoy is going to be with me cycling. Um, I assume he's probably going to be a bit is quicker he? than I am. Yeah, he's going to be there. We're going to start together at the start I line. Reckon, I reckon he's going to finish a bit try, sooner. Try and race him. Yeah, let his tyres down. That's, that's bad let spirit. Let his tyres down. <laughs> give him the eyes at the at the starting line. See you at the finish, yeah. Chris. Eat my dust, mate. I won't say that because I would dust. very quickly be eating his dust. I imagine. Are you, are you feeling prepared? Uh, yes, all right. Like I feel like I'm going to be tired, but um, I'm breaking it down. I'm think I'm not trying to think of it as a sixty mile bike ride. I'm trying to think of it as three 20 mile bike rides yeah yeah that, that probably is a good way yeah. of doing it uh because there's a little break that one. Was. yeah oh is there okay yeah there's a little break where you can go and get it's a fuel station i mean it's probably not going to be the same fuel as we had on our training rides our friend came up a few weeks ago and we had a lovely ride out to a lovely little village did about it was about 25 miles to get out there sat and had a sat and had a cocktail and a spaghetti bar- carbonara before i rode back it was lovely <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. You know, you don't feel a little bit. No, it's wobbly. not like it's not like running where like, you know, you eat uh, the yeah. slightly if you eat the slightly wrong thing that it's like I wish I was dead the second you start yeah. running again. <laughs> Bike's not so it's not so rough, but I'm not sure they're gonna have spaghetti carbonara and cosmopolitans at this at the fueling station. Probably have I bottled mean, water. You never know. You never know. Protein bar options open. There we go. Uh so yeah, we will put the as we did last week, we'll put the link to that sponsorship. Is that the right word? Yeah. Come um, and yeah. No pressure. Put that in the show notes. You know, just just your positive thoughts. If you if you're listening to this on a Sunday, just you know, send me some energy metaphorically as well. That'll probably help. Yeah. Howl. Open your back door or window or whatever and howl into the night. I'll okay. hear it. No, it'll be the day. It'll be the day. Uh howl into the day. Andy will hear it and it'll give him a, a, a second wind. You might you might need a third wind. Yeah, it'll, yeah. It'll, it'll sustain me. So, yeah, send send those out there. But other than that, Ben, I don't know if you've been watching anything else or if it's just been an endless string of Fright Fest. Uh, mainly an endless string of Fright Fest content. However, I've been to the cinema twice in the last seven days. Snuck once... those in. Yeah, snuck those in. So once to see uh, Bullet Train, directed by David uh, Lech. Maybe Leech. Don't want to call him a Lech. That seems a bit, seems a bit unfounded. Um, and you know what? Bullet Train was a good time. It is the probably the most muddled film in terms of plot and characters, like ever. It's just like what, what, who, why? All the too way too many moving parts. But I think when it gets going and the action's good, and, and despite there being too many characters, all the characters are good, um, and the action is pretty decent. Maybe the final third is a bit too like, come on now wrap it up um but still it was it was it was a good time and uh yeah. aaron taylor johnson aaron taylor johnson and uh brian tyree henry um as two triple namers two triple namers as characters called tangerine and lemon or lemon and tangerine if you want to name them in that order uh a delight really really good okay. Brad Pitt. i really want to see this i really want to see this movie the only thing that i this is going to sound like horrible criticism but watching the trailers, it had the big energy of a film that Netflix have just spent a fortune on and it's going to come out on Netflix. But it's at the cinema, which is oh, hell yeah. great. Definitely. Um, yeah, but still, uh, watchable. I keep, that's a good way to describe it. And Brad Pitt feels like, out of everyone involved, Brad Pitt feels like he's kind of just there. 
<laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Like everyone else has kind of got so much to do. And of course, Brad Pitt's got lots to do as well, but it feels like he's kind of just there still. That was uh, enjoyable. And I also watched Beast, which I think we mentioned on this podcast about just Idris a minute Elba. ago. Yeah. Idris Elba. Oh, yeah, just a minute ago. But I think we mentioned it. I think we mentioned it when there was a trailer a little A few while weeks ago. ago with old Shalto Copley when the trailer came out. Shalto Copley, yeah. yeah. So it's Idris Elba versus a lion in a grudge match where he's got two teenage daughters to take care of as well. Um, you know what? Really, really good. Um, it's shot really well, which I think kind of helped. It had this, it felt like the camera work was, it was kind of right there with the characters. And I felt like there was a lot of really long shots as well. I don't know if there are any hidden cuts or whatever, but it just had something to it, which made it feel. And there's a couple, there's a couple of animal attack scenes, which give like the Re- the Revenant a run for its money. Okay. Um, yeah, where you just like, as well. where you, where, you know, where you're like this. Oh, ah, oh God, no. Ah. Um, yeah. And I, thoroughly enjoyed it i think idris is obviously a great uh leading man and the supporting cast and you know 90 minutes of lion attack action with like a gnarly and there's some proper like fist pump moments as well yes you know, we just like All right which, which is great so i enjoyed it I, I went in with pretty much no expectations so i was pretty glad to, would you rather uh, ben like what would be your we've seen a few animal attack films recently very quickly, situation Ooh. you'd like least like to be in the situation of a stuck in Africa with a bad lion and um and your two teenage daughters and your wife's dead. B stuck in a house when there's a hurricane outside and a tiger inside and your autistic little brother to have to look after. Oh god, yeah. C stuck in a professor's house with horrible link the crazy chimpanzee who's actually an orangutan spray painted and with fake ears well there's less with link there's i don't have to worry about anyone else um it's not a uh escort mission what about those dogs oh you haven't got to worry about looking after anyone else yeah no more dangers after anyone else i've got to think about myself think about number one so i reckon i reckon link even though a monkey attack is pretty scary i feel like when a lion gets you when a lion's on top of you you're done for or tiger so and link. link as well you can trick him because that intelligence meaning is more susceptible to tricks you can literally gaslight him that's what she does <laughs> yeah she gets him he, in the end he will watch you have a bath though which is uh or shower can't remember which one <laughs> bloody link but bloody hell link uh yeah so that's what so yeah pick. that's what you'd pick yeah, yeah. But other than what that though what about you are you agreeing with me on that i don't know yeah, probably. I think the absence of those other people to look after makes Link probably the best option. Okay. Um, you may have skipped ahead uh, if looking at the show notes to see when we start talking about Fright Fest. It's now. Um, yeah, lots of films to cover. So I think what we're going to do is be, you know, we're not going to go into details in terms of plots. We're probably not going to spoil anything. We're not going to rate things. Um, in our usual rating system either because I don't think that's you know it's probably not particularly fair to do that um, so we're not but we're going to give our thoughts based on the films we've seen as I said me and Andy will talk about the films we've watched and then at some point once we're done uh, we'll, we'll bring Lucy in as well do a little screen right to Lucy yeah just we'll just go over to Lucy in the studio um, and she's no she's she's on the she's down, down on the at ground level she getting is among, getting in amongst it. Going Proper to the like outside broadcast. 
I want to find. I'm gonna have some questions about what the actual fest is is like as well with her. Uh, but yeah, so Fright Fest that took place l- l- the weekend just past, so the 25th to the 29th. So what was it Thursday to Monday, um, Leicester Square, and yeah, loads and loads of genre movies. Um, obviously, pretty much exclusively horror, but I would say some suspense, some thriller, horror adjacent sort of stuff as well mm-hmm. seems to be. Uh, so Fright Fest is the UK's largest and brightest international thriller, fantasy and horror film festival. Um, and obviously we covered Fright Fest Glasgow, the sister festival, I guess. it's. Um, we covered that in, I think it was March? I think it was yeah, March. March, I think it was Fright Fest. Yeah, so obviously we were lucky enough to speak to some of the filmmakers for previous bonus episodes and we watched a load of stuff as well. So I guess we will just crack on uh talking about talking about the movies that we that we covered you're gonna go um, through the did... program right and pull the ones that we've seen yeah so we're gonna go for the program so essentially we're going through the program in order of when the films were screened so earlier in the episode will be the ones that screened like thursday friday and then later on so the first one i've got down here is a movie called final cut uh i which... saw final cut oh yeah here's another thing because there's so many movies that, sh- that were shown most of them only one of us has seen there are a few where we're both both of us have seen and there's even one where i think all three of us have seen it um, including lucy as well but for the most part because we had a lot to watch we decided to what, what you should never do in a horror movie which is split up yeah. take your own route try and find your own way um and that's what we did so it, again interesting to hear about films hopefully some of the films you saw are going to make me want to go and see them. So Final Cut is directed by Michael Hazanavicius. I hope I got that right. Um, it's French um, and it had its UK premiere. Um, so let's have a little bit of... Uh, so it's a gore- all the gory tricks of a Z-movie trade needed to get on screen for the first time. Silly, excessive, cheery, meta-zombie movie. There's a feel-good, over-the-top riot. I guess... That's not much of a synopsis, but maybe you can tell us a little bit more. I can tell you a little bit more. Uh, ben, I can give you a very direct comparison. This is a French remake of One Cut of the Dead, the Japanese film. Is it? Yeah. Straight up. Um, I, You know what? I've still not got around to watching One Cut of the Dead, despite really strong recommendations to see it. I was hoping to see it before we came yeah. and talked today, but content is infinite. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so this French version of it is actually the first version of this that I've actually seen. Um, okay. And, you know, I, I think you've already covered the the premise of it in the One Cut of the Dead episode. The fact that it is got a lot of meta narrative to it, that it is the there is a at the face of it, a zombie movie. But then it's about the making of that zombie movie in the background as well. Right. And how it goes on to screen in this film, this version of it, it can't be a direct lift, I don't think, because in addition to that, they have the angle of that it is a French remake of a Japanese movie. Okay. Um, okay. So they have other scenes that are there with them meeting the the IP owners, the Japanese, um, you know, film um makers and the you know the people who own the copyright of the original story that they're trying to satisfy with their remake of it as mm-hmm. well um i'm not sure how overtly the japanese original goes into comedy i found it really funny it was really good 
Um, yeah, the Japanese film is pretty heavy on the comedy. Yeah. And even just looking at it now, it looks like the characters are like dressed the same. Yeah, they're dressed the same. And um, additionally, as part of the the gag behind it, when they're talking about acquiring the rights and everything, the original IP owners don't let them change any of the character names. So all of these French actors have Japanese names uh, when they're in the when they're in okay. the movie. Um, it's it's really funny. It's really cleverly put together. It's really given me that extra kick. I need to hurry up and watch the original as well. Um, so I can't comment on how they stack up next to each other, but it was it was delightful to watch. It was really funny. Um, me and Luke covered One Cut of the Dead, episode 86 of Horror oh. Hangout. So, <laughs> so long so, ago. So if you want to go back uh, and check that out, I mean, obviously I don't, I can't say either way because I've not seen Final Cut, but One Cut of the Dead was a really nice surprise if, as far as I remember. I think initially I was a bit like not entirely sold on the concept, uh, but then at some point it like locked in. So I'm yeah, assuming it if, it's the, if, if it's the same sort of thing, then I can imagine why. Yeah, the same. Yeah. I think the first few seconds I didn't know that it was it. And I was like, okay, what am I in for here? Um, and then very quickly you get the kind of premise and what they're creating here. Uh, and it really kind of finds its own way. I really enjoyed it. Okay, there we go. So that is a movie called Final Cut. What's it called in French? Coupe. Coupe. Which I'm assuming is what people say when they yell cut. Uh, yeah, okay. So that is that. Next up is a movie called Midnight Peep Show, which I believe you also have seen i didn't watch this one i have um, also seen so some sort of anthology because there's like loads of directors listed here yes it's an anthology piece anthology piece so directors include jake west ariel ariel anthony hales andy edwards um ludovic ludovica musamaki um a british film looks like um yes. a, a madam owns a soho peep show with a difference the sites on offer are tailor-made to its customers deepest sinful fears um yeah so i'm assuming what people go to a peep show and then each each thing they see is is, is yeah a... it's 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 around that premise it's a particular man that goes to the peep show and things that he has been maybe unwittingly connected to that fit into a bigger story for the for the peep show part think of vhs um film where there is mm -hmm. there's a narrative that's part of that that um then will lead you to see these other flashbacks or these recollections of these other kind of short horror setups um the horror setups are all based on or all kind of linked to um, again, this whole thing, we talk about these fantasies that people drive into. There is a secret organization there that is kind of helping people live out these um, like these deepest, darkest fantasies they have. It's always a price to it, though, Ben. It's a real wishmaster situation um, that, you know, there's um, unforeseen consequences or things don't go how these people foresee it. Um, like all anthology films, I think it's one where different pieces of it will resonate with different viewers more than others um in the the final the final piece i think there are some really crazy gore effects and it really gets down kind of that eight millimeter um mm. like hole of the depravity and the 
the depth of this organization that's together. Um, I think uh, my favorite section of all of them. And that's sorry, not... I just, I'm really sorry. I just, I just read a, I just read a comment. I thought what one good thing that might be good to bring up is I've got some reviews, some choice reviews, which I might bring up for each each movie. Uh, and I just read one, just made me laugh. I'm apolog- I apologize. I'm sorry that I. That's <laughs> all right. We'll, then. Anticipation. I'll say very quickly before we get into this because I now want to hear this desperately. Um, of all of the sections, I think um, maybe the second one was my overall favorite. And that's not to say the others are bad, not guilty by omission here, but the I think my favourite was probably the Andy Edwards section in the middle, which is called Fuck, Marry, Kill, Big Sore Energy, um, probably yeah. more successful in Spiral than, than and then delivering that kind of um, oh, nice. okay. outcome as well. So yeah, it's an interesting, fun little bit, very, very British in its tone as well. Hmm. Yeah, what's I mean, this comment you got? Uh, well, based on that, one of the comments is Andy Edwards' Fuck, Marry, Kill is a gleeful highlight in this otherwise slightly mixed anthology movie. Um, somebody else says sexual fantasies for slash from people who have never had any sexual fantasies. Um, and then the comment that made me laugh was need me a strangle wank so I can forget this misogynistic bullshit. <laughs> I I'm afraid it was a strangle wank bit that made me laugh. And yeah, a uh, a good. strangle wank does come up in this film. Spoilers for people the who are wank does people who are triggered in positive or negative ways by strangle wanks. <laughs> there is there is at least one that does feature quite viscerally in this film. Okay, okay. Um, I'm just imagining what you were doing with your day when that bit <laughs> when that bit was playing, <laughs> yeah. making a bit of to- making a bit of toast. Yeah, I had the I had the laptop on the kitchen counter while I was having to go at the dishes because I got a lot of content to cover. <laughs> All right, strangle wank on in the side. Yeah, then. what are you watching? Just just a strangle wank the movie, and uh, you know what? I'm I'm loving it. Yeah, uh, I I agree that that was the I think that was probably the highlight of that of that section um mm. yeah there's thematically things to unpack on that one i don't think the the take of it being perceived as misogynistic from some perspectives is probably true but there's a there's some other angles to it as well yeah. i think it's an yeah, interesting because, anthology because sometimes you know the content of a film being something like misogynistic is like maybe that's the point maybe because we're yeah point, point of view of a character or the point of view of you know an unreliable nar- narrator for example that we're not I supposed think some... to look at it and go, I'm going to do some of that. Yeah, there's, there's, I think there's definitely some some angles to that, and it talks about who dominates those areas of bringing up those fantasies and so on in the first place. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting little anthology horror piece that's all about people's sexual fantasies effectively. Here's another bit we could do. So maybe at the end of when we discuss a film, we could say, recommended for fans of... And okay, I would say recommended for fans of look at a saw, look at um maybe a hostel or something like that as well. Saw hostel, that kind of genre of film, you would mm-hmm. get on with this. As we've established this now, very organic planning and growing we've seen in the in our in our content today. Shun is putting the, the show together as we go. Excellent work. Um but <laughs> excellent, excellent um, work. Uh, let's let's lean back and do the final cut as well. I think you will enjoy yeah. this if you like. Um, certainly One Cut of the Dead would be a great recommendation of that one. Um, other than that, 
I'd be tempted to say, look at some of your comedy horrors, like really mainstream, digestible, um, Shaun of the Dead and so on, but don't expect that level of polish or, you know, really accessible, um, you know, straight up humour. I think there's some more subtlety to it than that necessarily. Um, but yeah, if you want some comedy mixed in there, then that's then that's your angle to look at on that one. Lovely. Nice. Um, okay, so next up, is something I saw, which is Dario Argento's Dark Glasses. Ooh. How dark are these glasses that he's wearing? How dark are they? Um, so, the darkest. The darkest glasses. Uh, so, starring Elenia Pastorelli, Asia Argento, um, and plenty of other people. Um, you, so, it's Italian Giallo, obviously from from the the master of Italian Giallo, Dario Argento. It's UK premiere happened at Fright Fest in Rome. A serial killer has garroted three high class sex worker girls with cello strings. An upmarket escort, Diana, is next on the list. Um, so yeah, it, basically the the interesting. Um, wait, I'm describing that wrong. The interesting event. Is that right? Inciting event. Inciting event that happens is Diana suffers a car accident, leaves her blind. And that car accident kills the family of this young Chinese boy. Um, and essentially the story is about this killer stalking her while she like becomes is almost like a, like a buddy cop scenario <laughs> happening okay. with this little with this little boy. Um it's pretty stylish. It kind of made me doesn't doesn't didn't feel you know, with the classic Argento movies kind of feel a certain way and they're sort of bathed in all these all the all the all the different lights and you know it's got that shallow feel. Yeah. I guess like that was kind of completely missing. But the central relationship between this woman and the kid, even though she kind of effectively kidnaps the kid. I mean, again, I'm not gonna, not not I'm not gonna spoil it. But it was just one of those plots where it felt like we're gonna add a serial killer into this just because it's a Dario Argento film and he's the master of Jello. It could have easily had a different sinister turn without there really needing to be um a serial killer but still i i enjoyed it it was it was incredible incredibly watchable i can't remember the last dario argento film i saw like in terms of what was the last one he released um, um should we pull it up even and it, find out i'm really not, not, poorly aware of his um it's not dracula 3d is it I, I i keep forgetting that he directed a movie called giallo from 2009, like an American version of a Jalo movie starring Adrian Brody. That's mad, isn't it? That's pretty mad. I've never seen so, it. So, he is the director of... Let's have a look there. So, Suspiria Deep Red. All the classics. Uh, Suspiria Deep Red, Inferno Phenomena, Tenebrae. Opera, I guess, is still, is still one of his classics. Um, I think maybe Dracula was one of his latest ones because i think that was 2012 we did like a dracula 3d uh with rutger hauer in it um so i guess that was the last one i guess for this i would say i recommend it for fans of any of of dario Argento's movies don't expect it to be anywhere near as soon you know thematically and visually close to that i would have liked to have seen it on a big screen because i feel like of all the movies that premiered an Argento film on the big screen would have felt like an event as such, yeah. wouldn't it? Yeah, huge, um, huge. But you know, it's there's there's blood, there's almost like a bit of buddy comedy 
going on in places as well. Um, and it's a bit grotty and grimy and there's something a little bit nasty about it. But also, car accident, how are you going to go blind? Uh, apparently it dislodged a muscle or something in her eye. I was a bit like, how has yeah. this happened then? Nothing's gone through her eyeball. Yeah, or maybe um, if like, you were mucking about and pretending your seatbelt was a blindfold just as you like crashed. <laughs> Friction burns on your eyes, seal them shut. Oh, yeah. But, uh, you know, there's a little bit of uh, an interesting subplot to this is her coming to terms of being blind. It's not like she just wakes up one day, oh, I'm blind, I guess this is it now. It's like her coming to terms of, to terms of being blind, getting a guide dog, um, kind of like learning all the different things about, um, you know, in your house, knowing where everything is and all different ways that you could. So it's, it seemed to like there was a bit of care and attention to this character's arc in terms of she suddenly finds herself blind it's not like she's just going about her day like normal. Like everything is essentially life. changed. Yeah, and like imagine you're blind, but also serial killers after you. Can you imagine that? That'd make that is a real hurricane outside, tiger inside situation. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, one, one of them's bad enough. <laughs> one of them's bad enough. Um, but in terms of choice reviews, a couple of people, Argento still got it. Um, someone says it's stylish but not really my bag central relationship between the, the woman and the kid is hilariously inappropriate I guess it kind of is because she just kind of goes into a children's home and says you're coming with me I'm taking this kid he's helping me solve a murder he's helping um, me solve a murder I killed his family accidentally it wasn't my fault I think my favourite review from Dark Glasses is from Itchy the Killer himself who says <laughs> Absolutely fucking nonsensical, but the soundtrack goes buns, 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 buns. It says buns a lot of times. It's very like electronic. And and Itchy gave it two stars there, but you know, fair, fair, fair comment. But Itchy the killer, why is your neck in, mate? Calling other films nonsensical. Come on. Come on, Itchy. What are you doing? Itchy the Killer isn't even the character on the poster. Did you know that? Yeah, it's the other it's the other man. The... It's the other man. What's Itchy the Killer doing on the poster? No, Confusing. Knitting needles in the ears guy, that is. <laughs> knitting needles in the ears guy. Okay, so that's Dark Glasses. Um, and I guess we continue in a pretty, pretty high level at this stage. Um, is a movie called Piggy. Which both of us have seen. Whoa! <laughs> couldn't believe it. Did you have that on your bingo, bingo. card? <laughs> um, and obviously, I did an interview on a recent bonus episode with Carlota Pereira, um, and she attended the UK premiere of the movie. It also showed at Sundance uh, this year, last year, this year. Um, so it's a Spanish language, I guess, like horror, thriller, coming of age drama. Um, and basically, it's about an overweight girl, Sarah, who is dealt with deals with loads of mockery, judgment, and abuse from the cool girls. But today is different because bloke turns up, right? Mm-hmm. He arrives in the village and he kidnaps her tormentors. And there's this like weird sort of like um, ish. Will she or won't she? Will she help the kids? Will she help the killer? What's going on in her brain? There's this like moral. This moral question, I guess, is happening throughout. Um, and in terms of horror, like it, it addresses a hell of a lot of different things. It addresses um, body image. It addresses, obviously, bullying. It addresses violence and anger from different 
um, genders as well, you know, like how some things can be considered from each side of it. Um, and I found it really quite compelling, you know, it, it, it went into, into some inter interesting places and, you know, I, I spoke about this with the director, but you know, when the horror from a film, like a Stephen King movie, mm -hmm. Stephen King book slash adapt, adapt adaptation into a movie, the stuff that really like makes your stomach turn over is like the bullying scenes. Like when the yeah. kids are going to, are going to carve their name into Ben's stomach, you know, like those are the scenes that really make you, you know, when Pennywise turns out, be like, yeah, all right, mate, just stop dancing. We've all seen horrible clown. We've all seen horrible clown, but that's the stuff that really sort of, and to see that happen and then to introduce like a killer character into it where you're like, yeah, kill those bloody bullies. But then you, you know, in real life, <laughs> yeah, you probably you, shouldn't do that. No. Would you do that? I mean, you probably wouldn't. And would you want someone to do it? So it is a coming of age um, story. But and another thing, the fact that it takes place in sort of a very small Spanish village, this kind of sun bleached, uh, br mostly in daylight scenario mm -hmm. um, felt very Texas Chainsaw as well. Um and there's like some mob mentality stuff as well happening. You know, you see how, how parents react to different things, how neighbors react to different yeah, things. Yeah, it's got like this whole community side to it that we probably haven't seen the like since um, Fire in the Sky, you know, where there's a lot of that community and how the relationships twist and turn in the wake of a tragedy or an unseen event, right? Um, yeah. And I, I think I heard it in your discussion with Carlotta as well, like, lots of comedic elements and and beats put in there as well that it it's got a very european sense of like one of those escalating dramas when more and more things go wrong at a point as well i can imagine like um uh you know like what's the scene with um is it ben miller when he's meeting his wife's parents and then you know these things continue to go wrong and so on it's got that feeling as well, how she engages herself with, right, I'm going to go and try and maybe go back to the scene and then, oh no, now this has happened and I'm more yeah. implicated in this. Now I've already said that I wasn't there and it and it slowly goes out of control mm. for her. Um, really, really dug the performances in this film. I, I thought it was incredibly well um, acted by the lead. I'm afraid I don't have her name in front of me. Laura Galan. I believe yeah. the lead. Yeah. So she this was adapted from a short film and she was in that as well. Um cool yeah. I think really, really, really solid performances. A really good, as you say, like a almost a moral dilemma that's being um that's being put in front of the what's that character gonna do? Is she doing the right thing? And you know, for anyone who's ever experienced things like that, you know, that stomach turning of the of the bullying thing. Probably if you are in a situation like that, would you be inclined to do something that it's the it's the Batman begins conundrum, Ben. You haven't got to you haven't got to you're not gonna kill them, but you haven't got to stop them from dying. <laughs> yeah, it is the Batman. It's good and Sarah would be very well to say it's good enough for Batman, good enough for me. Yeah. Did you did you kill these people? No, I just didn't save them. You what? What? Show me in the bloody law where that's not allowed. So, that hey. says you must save someone. I'm not the it's not, but not one of them Asimov robots. Third rule of robotics. I didn't have to do that. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I can, I can, I can leave them to it. And I really like the dynamic with her family as well, like mm. her mom in particular. This really strained relationship she has with her, um, 
yeah, I I enjoyed this one. What would we recommend it for people who are fans of? There's also like, uh, sorry, sorry, we, we will get to that. Um, I was also going to say there's a really interesting sort of like, maybe like a romantic mm. thing going on between uh, Sarah and the killer, but it's almost like a will they, won't they sort of thing. And you're like, are they going to go full natural born killers and be like, be, it's I the mean, definitely I Niles of a generation. <laughs> exactly are they going to do that or is it going to go a completely different way um in terms of films i would recommend i mean just some choice reviews here as well someone says i wanted sarah to go on a killing spree and to be fair part of me was thinking is this the way it's gonna go kind of glad it didn't go that way i know of course there's a, a minor spoiler but i don't know i just don't think it necessarily needed it as such like i know that something Certain things happen, sure, and some things are, are you know, is it a crime? Is it not? <laughs> but, but um, still, I'm kind of glad it. I'm kind of glad it didn't go that way. Uh, someone else says, "Piggy is exactly the kind of emotionally and physically brutal film, um, Fright Fest was built for." Uh, yeah, fair. Yeah, I, I see uh, a, I see a um, four star review here. Um, Fat girl slash high tension collide in one of the best films of the year. Incredible lead performance that goes all in. She does. She hmm. acts the shit out of this movie. Um, another three and a half star review. Oink oink motherfuckers. Oink oink motherfuckers. Um, yeah, and I mean, like her her body type and her size is like it's something which is is like she's tormented for throughout. But it's almost like something that eventually she kind of wears as like a badge of honor, or yeah. like like owns it, owns that body type. And it's weird, despite despite the fact that it's like a film about killing people in a small town, it's like a body positivity film, I guess, in a way with with a with a lot of interesting messages to take away from it. Uh, films I'd recommend if you like it, as I said, Texas Chainsaw. It kind of got me. Mm-hmm. feeling like that and again Leatherface perhaps a misunderstood <laughs> misunderstood guy just wanted um, to live in that old lady's house the, just wanted the, to live in that old lady's house yeah bloody those bloody millennials came and didn't do the paperwork properly yeah uh what else what else now I guess what else would kind of feel like this um Wolf Creek potentially I'm just thinking about yeah. films films that take place in in hot in hot countries um, wolf creek perhaps you know not the opposite in a cold country take the supernatural elements out of um let the right one in and like look at that relationship like a dangerous yeah. character that has a relationship yeah, with our like classic point. victim and the bullying motifs as well in there i think there are parallels to draw there mm-hmm. just drawn them just drawn those parallels uh okay so next up is that's all we had to say, wasn't it? Was there anything else? You yeah, to say? that was that was a good good shout. good shout. Next up was a bit of a strange one for me, a movie called Burial. Um, so this is like this was the first film I saw at Fright Fest where I was like, "Is this a horror?" <laughs> quietly say it quietly. Is this a horror? I felt like that. Yeah. Um, so this film is directed by. Ben Parker, again, it's a British film. It stars Harriet Walter, Tom Felton of Harry Potter. Is that him? 
Is it the is it the Malfoy kid that's in? Yeah, the, it, yeah. Is it he's in two twenty two now on the stage as well now? Oh, okay, okay. Um, so set in the last days of World War Two, uh, tells the story of a small band of Russian soldiers tasked with trafficking the discovered remains of Adolf Hitler back to Stalin in Moscow. En route, the unit is attacked by German werewolf partisans. We do that. Um, picked off one by one. Um. Do you know what? Do you not know really, really confuse me about this, right? Mm-hmm. This film stars. <laughs> I'm trying to remember his name. This film stars. I don't know what his real name is. I only know him as Angelos Epithemu from <laughs> from Shooting Stars. Daniel Renton Skinner, right? So he's playing like one of the soldiers. Um, not a Russian guy. I think he's a British guy. Um, and he's supposed to be threatening and a little bit creepy and scary and stuff. And I was just like. What? That's Angelos Now, I think he was in the movie Prevenge as well, you know, of Alice. I've not seen Prevenge. I'm aware of what it is, though. Yeah, he was in that, and he was a bit more of a, if I remember, a bit of a doofus. Him doing a serious role in, like, Burial, like, really did kind of, like, confuse me. Um, And to be fair, I don't know. So I'm not going to spoil it, but werewolves, when I go like that, there are no werewolves in this movie. Okay. Um, it's there's like a wraparound story, which I think is the only thing that really feels that interesting. Um, with an actress named Harriet Walter, who's it's, it's like a, a modern day scenario. Someone breaks into her house, she gets the gets one up on them, and then goes back in time and tells his story. Um, I didn't even realize they were trans- trafficking the remains of Hitler for ages. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> who who's in that box then? Who's this? Oh, it's um, um, I think it, it's it's a bit of a stretch to call it a horror. I don't think I would call it a horror. I would just say a World War Two, um, action drama. You know, um, if it was framed like that, I think if I'd watched it at Fright Fest, I may have been a bit confused as to why it was on the screen. Um, so yeah, in terms of in terms of choice reviews, uh. What choice reviews have we got? I'm here? having a look here as well. Um... Yeah, I know. So someone says, disclaimer: there are no real werewolves in this movie. In this movie, um, thrilling action sequences and a great leading performance make for a fine piece of alternative history. I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? It's not a bit of a piece of alternative history, but I think if you added a supernatural element to it, it probably would have been a lot more interesting. It was hinting towards it, but I think. It was quite clear from, you know, maybe like a halfway point that that supernatural element was never going to be lent into. Um, but yeah, I just didn't didn't quite get what I perhaps wanted from I'm it. I'm seeing a couple I... of I'm seeing comments that kind of echo that, like um, Harriet Walker rules in the wraparound. Tom Felton puts on this surprisingly lovely performance. Um where I am seeing some of the less positives on that appear to be less commentary and in fact sometimes quite apologetic of the movie but more just indic- indicative of a burnout with British made World War II films so mm. not for me I can't seem to get into war films um, another review need an embargo on British World War II films um, good war film about taking Hitler's body back to British proof of death good acting and action um, it's not a horror movie, but it would still good. Well, a well-made movie, but not my yeah, kind of film. I so, that's, uh, I, I think, think maybe that's maybe it's struggling to strike a chord with this particular audience who were at an event really focused on horror. But 
there is there's appear to be a lot of praise for the film overall. Mm. I can't comment on this one because I haven't seen it. I do still want to watch it though. I don't know what I would what I would say if you're a fan of anything. What to recommend? I don't know really. It's it, I I would say if you're a fan of if you're expecting a horror movie set in World War II, um, go and watch uh, what's it called? Oh God! Oh, <laughs> well, I know well, exactly well, the one you're thinking well, of. Uh, well, well, Overlord. Overlord, God, I hate that. I hate that when you're, you know, finishing a sentence and then suddenly the very key piece of information just vanishes. But yeah, Overlord is probably the one. Go and watch that because if you see the trailer for Burial or you see any of the prom- promotion for it, you might be expecting something like that. So that's not what it is. Go and watch Overlord because that is great. Um, yeah, there is next on the list because it's going like day by day is the closing film. But I think maybe if we save that to the end. All right, fancy that. Save us Um I watched another. There's the next film I watched was um, The Eyes Below, which is directed by Alexis Brucon, um, stars Vinicius Coelho and Pauline Morel. It's French. Uh, it's very, very short. It's only like 77 minutes long for a feature. So Eugene goes to bed. Everything is calm and silent. He's about to fall asleep, but something creeps up his legs, his stomach, and then his chest. Uh, unfortunately, this was a bit one note for me it felt like that scene i've just described then someone going to bed and then being tormented by some sort of thing like a sleep paralysis demon or doesn't that isn't what it is but you know it's visually i think it's again well made sound design was great performance was good visually it was good i just kind of felt like in terms of plot and story it was a bit one note the same sort of thing kept happening over and over again the music swells as some sleep paralysis creepy demon thing terrorizes this guy, then the music calms as, as, oh, actually, maybe I'll get some sleep. I think if you're in this scenario, you would, I don't know, leave the house, go somewhere else, do something. The fact that it just keeps happening, 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 it felt a bit easily could have worked as a short. I don't know if it's adapted from a short at all, but this, in terms of 77 minutes long, which is a very short feature, felt too long. It just felt like it kept... So you would have kept it as a short and then had everything happen maybe once or what have you and just yeah, revel in I think, that. I think so. I think, yeah, I just think it ran out of ideas pretty quickly. Um, So, yeah, I don't want to be super negative about it. I just found of all the films that I watched at Fright Fest, this was the one which kind of really, I, my, really, I really struggled to keep my attention on it. And uh, it's got a great looking poster. Really great looking poster, some nice typeface on there. Just as well. pulling this so, up yeah. now, it does look good like the little the silhouette yeah. here. That's I mean, it was cla- I mean, in terms of choice review, someone says claustrophobic, weird vibes galore. Yep, 100% on board with that. Um, yeah, someone some interesting ideas, but would have been better as a 20 minute short instead of a 70 minute movie. Yeah, I think I agree with that. Um, it could have easily been a really good scene in a in a 70 minute movie, but it kind of just yeah, um, so. Yeah, someone says competently made. Based on this, looking forward to what Alexis Brucon can produce with a larger budget. Definitely. A set constructed outside of the living room. So maybe, you know, there's no budget. Mm-hmm. Um, and in terms of narrative structure, it feels like it's more of a, um, like a, like an atmospheric piece rather than something that's telling a particularly interesting, particularly interesting story, at least. But conceptually, like I guess that's your recommendation if you if sleep paralysis or that kind sleep of paralysis, concept anything like that. affects you, then it might be worth picking up from a conceptual level. Yeah, yeah. 
don't know what I'd say I'd recommend. I guess maybe just like I guess it's like it's a bit one note, but conjuring stuff, uh Babadook in in a in a way, like some of that. Conjuring Babadook, maybe lights out, something like that. I know that's Oh yeah, again... lights out, definitely, yeah. That's a great suggestion. Go for like get get yourself involved in lights out. Even just watch the lights out short, because I think if you do that, you'll get a lot from it. Um, a lot of the flavor. Great. One of the flavor. Um, sorry, it seems like we're listening. Only the ones I've seen so far, but another movie I watched is called Pussy Cake. So this is an Argentinian um, movie, Argentinian horror movie, directed by Pablo Perez, starring Anehi Politi, Flora Moreno, Maca Suarez. Um, a struggling all-girl rock band called, called Pussy Cake kick off a new tour in the hopes it will be the spark they need to re- resurrect their careers. But things don't start off well because um, they show up to their first gig, it's deserted, and it turns out that everyone's been infected by some weird, like, vomiting creepy zombies with, like, these um, bugs on the back of their heads. Okay. Um, monsters. I guess it's a bit interdimensional. Interdimensional sort of... Um, what word am I thinking of here? Lovecraftian... Uh, like eldritch horror, horrors. horror stuff eldritch eldritch horror stuff um loads and loads of gore like the the effects are really good um the music was pretty good and the characters are all pretty interesting as well um again pretty short it was like 82 minutes um but yeah i pretty much i pretty much enjoyed this the it was a different sort of zombie zombie movie as well you know the, the fact that these zombies were vomiting up all of this horrible milky goodness i don't say goodness but vomiting up all the fridge, fridge vanilla flavored milkshakes all oh, over everyone's faces. <laughs> yeah, and, and and some of the some of the kills are particularly gruesome and like, oh, how the hell did they do that? That is a very very. Very, I was a little, I was a little sad. I missed um, this one. The screener had expired by the time I um, came to watch it, but also, like, I wouldn't have even tried it because I think you watched it quite early in the set, right? So we had to try and cover everything. I think mm-hmm. this is one of the ones that I'm going to be looking for opportunities to try and catch up on because it it looks like something I'd probably enjoy. Yeah, I mean, what would I say for fans of, I guess, like, Shaun of the Dead. You know, in a way, it's it's like that. Um, Psycho Gorman, but obviously not as silly as that, and not not doesn't wear its sort of personality on its sleeve. Feels like just from your description, maybe something like Night of the Creeps, which we haven't covered yet. Like maybe something along those lines. Maybe something yeah. like um, just for the over the top nature of it. Maybe like a Brain Dead or something. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, I I, I can agree with that. Um, I don't think I've seen. I don't know if I've seen an Argentinian movie before either. I've definitely I've seen Brazilian movies, but you know, even if it's the first Argentinian movie I've seen, that's uh, no, that's that's pretty exciting. It says Evita's an Argentinian movie. I mean, it's about an Argentinian person. Person. That's not <laughs> an Argentinian movie, is it? Um, yeah. So what we got? Choice reviews. There's a lot going on in this movie. There's a lot going for it. I'm always here for a new twist on the zombie flick. Yeah. Having the zombies barf milky jizz into people's mouth is a nice take. There's a lot of that. Yeah. Um, I've seen a couple here. So um, so much colour, blood and gore. Um, honestly, the idea of zombies holding me down and vomiting from into my mouth is far worse than just being bit. 
yeah. <laughs> tear me open, eat my intestines, but please don't puke in my mouth. That is from fake Voorhees. <laughs> Come on, Voorhees. Uh, someone says heavy, evil, dead, and psycho gourmet energy. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty much there with that. So next up is a film called The Ones You Didn't Burn, directed oh. by Elise Finity, starring Elise Finity, Samuel Dunning. Um, Estelle Gerard Parks is a U.S. movie. Uh, Nathan and Mira are in no way close siblings, but their father's passing mean they must return to their old family farms to sell off the land. Okay. Um, so yeah, this is a this is one I saw. It's a story about. Um, I guess it really touched on themes of sins of the fathers. This is kind of like the far flung future sequel to films like The Witch. It's talking about the the witchcraft and society and how it's done, but it's done in a very modern sense. There are there are themes of addiction that run through it, and with loss and of suicide and so on, as well as the supernatural elements as well. So it's a really character focused movie, speaking about this relationship between primarily this brother and sister who both moved away from their from their father's home, who are drawn back by his by his untimely death and while they care for each other they're, they're quite estranged their relationship is quite fractured and not as close as it might have once been and the influence of these um you know what's happening with this land who they who their family have acquired that land from um and what that means in the wake of their father's passing leaving behind all these mysteries that um aren't solved in the opening scene i don't think it spoils it to say that we do hear the dad's voice recorded by uh, uh, answer phone messages that weren't picked up um, ahead of his ahead of his death, and there's clearly a mystery or something he would like to be able to discuss with his children, and he never gets that opportunity to. So we, as the viewers, go through that experience as they're meeting these characters and trying to sort out the house and deal with their own demons in the in the wake of his death. Um, Arguably, um, doesn't sound like in the same way as the as the as the burial. It isn't quite so overtly um, grounded in supernatural horror and things. It's definitely more of a implications and a character piece. Really looking at how that can be perceived in a supernatural in, in a supernatural light. Um, not much to say beyond that without without spoiling it. It's a very deliberate and and character focused movie so it's elite elise finity's debut movie is all right okay yeah i didn't know that but um yeah Hmm. really really um and you say she's at least finity stars in it as well right Mm -hmm. so yeah you can see there's a lot of love for this story and a lot of care and attention that's gotten it gone into putting it together and telling what is um what is an impactful story for them? I would say recommended for people who will really vibe with the the building of characters. It's not going to be one for who people who want high octane action and the cackling of these witches as they soar across the room on brooms. It enter into implied and that grounding in reality. You know, there's a lot that speaks and uh, psychedelic experiences that can happen there as well and 
the influence on people's characters there as well as kind of confronting a past they go back to a town where they both grew up and they haven't been seen for a long time and they meet some old old characters um so yeah that's all there is to say about that what can i recommend it for people who enjoyed um Again, it's a completely different time period, but you know, if the witch that that level of pacing and that level of character exploration and things being unfolded, plus the themes of witchcraft and so on, even though it has a completely different time setting, mm-hmm. if the witch and films like it are things that you enjoy, it's probably worth delving in and watching and watching this one. Yeah, there's there's a couple of recommendations here in one of the reviews where it says steady dark brood in atmosphere similar to the dark and the wicked and what Josiah saw. I mean, I've not seen either of those Um, here. The foreboding sense of dread isn't as suffocating as those films, but still has enough to keep the viewer gripped. Yeah. And when I think about it now, all I keep coming back to, and I'm trying to pull other recommendations from this may be a deep cut. I'm not sure how this has lasted, but when I think about the struggles of character and where they are in the world and what vices they give into, have you ever seen the Christian Bale movie, which is not horror at all, Harsh Times? I don't know if I have, you know. I mean, I, I don't ju- know if I have. Harsh I Times. Know. Harsh Times. Um, I'd recommend it. That's that's That gives me the feelings of this. This is characters who are dealing with a difficult situation who aren't all good, aren't all bad, but are desperately trying to hold things together in the face of their vices and the face of problems that they're having and varying degrees of success uh, of yeah, doing that. I reckon I recognize the I recognize the poster. And it's got the guy from it's got Freddy Rodriguez from uh, Planet Terror in it as well. Yeah. There are some harsh times to be had in that film. Keeping on keeping on the uh theme of burning, there's another movie that you saw called Everyone Will Burn. Everyone will, Everyone will burn. burn. So did you watch the movie called The Ones You Didn't Burn, followed by everyone who got burned? In I, 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 burn. I watched it the other way around. So I saw a film that promised everyone would burn, except there were some people that weren't. Someone those didn't burn. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Everyone Will Burn is directed by Danielle Her- Herbrero um, with Macarena Gomez, Rodolfo Sancho, Sofia Garcia, it's a Spanish movie. Um, it's, this was the UK premiere of it. In a small village in Leon, Spain, Maria Jose prepares to end her life after failing to get over the suicide of her bullied son years before. But everything changes when she receives a visit from Lucia, a strange little girl who could be connected to a local le- legend about stopping an impending apocalypse. Yeah, this one is a... This is pure, like... European cinema. We talked about Dario Argento earlier on. This has the, you know, it's a Spanish, not Italian movie, but it has those giallo qualities. Less of the lighting that you get from a giallo movie. It feels very, you know, Mediterranean Spanish in 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 some of those senses. So it's more muted than a than a giallo film, but it has those dreamlike qualities that you get in it. You know, there are some leaps in logic and some transitions of time and some bizarre imagery that you don't quite um, see coming and take a little bit of time to pass. Um, But it is a, it was a really compelling movie. It was a film that I didn't necessarily feel 
I understood immediately. But yeah, I would not have switched this off. I continued watching through and it was really, it was bringing you through the story as more people kind of get pulled into this legend and this mystery. And there's even some surreal approaches to the the, the character itself. So the little girl that, um, that our lead character meets at the start, you know, we, we open the film really, really cold open with this little girl who's covered in mud and filth and just standing on this open bridge and she just goes and talks to this lady who is standing on the precipice of jumping off and then before you know it they're coming back in and this little girl is calling her mom and she begins with saying I'm not your mom but then before long she's playing along with it and kind of going through this prophecy and she kind of almost wills herself into the into this family and then brings other people into the equation um yeah and she exhibits some strange powers um some really visceral scenes when those powers come into effect as to how she deals with some of the some of the bullies and the antagonist characters and the kind of smiling enemies that they have within the community that have kind of enabled that and they talk about her behind her back and um and the the prophecy that's linked to that has a deeper supernatural element um a really really interesting piece i i couldn't tell you that watching this in the scenario that we have uh i could really fully appreciate everything that that film had to say i i wouldn't be qualified to give a a really breakdown of the meanings behind that and i think the visual um surreal nature of it really comes into play as well the i would say our lead character this little girl who has the the strange powers it's very difficult to read because I think it is a you know a, a person of small stature is a little person that's playing this role and then it gives a real kind of unsettling feeling, especially the way that this character talks and is seen to know certain things and have this mystical about her. It really leads to those conversations, as you see from the characters, that is this a little girl or is it, you know, a an adult that's behaving like a child and just happens to be a small, you know, like a, like a not small, bloody orphan, is it? Yeah, it's not not the bloody orphan. Nowhere near. Not not got a uh, not any, got a backwards baseball cap on to prove that she's younger. <laughs> any any movies that you'd recommend as a similar sort of vibe to this? I guess Spanish Spanish horror. Is it? Does it? Is it in the realms of like the orphanage or? Yeah, it 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 has that kind of soft um supernaturalism of something like the orphanage the orphanage kind of meets the omen but the threat and who is good and who is bad isn't quite so clear cut as is in a film like the omen you know it's mm-hmm. essentially a child that has these strange powers and is acting out violence towards the, the enemies but it's um it's not entirely it's really hard to pull an exact thing. I think your best pick is probably something like The Orphanage, The Omen. Um, to a lesser fantastical degree, something like Pan's Labyrinth as well. Like, you know, yeah. there's fantastical elements and there's a deep lore behind this that, um, you know, we, we see begin to unpick. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. Sounds good. Uh, another another one that you've seen as well. Next up, Andy is a movie called Mean Spirited, directed by Jeff Ryan, starring uh, Michelle Ven- Ventimiglia, Jeff Ryan, Will Madden. Uh, two estranged friends reconnect 
things buried deep are about to surface. An up-and-coming vlogger, his name's Andy, who yeah. attempts to reconnect with a strange friend. This all starts to fall apart when a demonic presence begins tormenting the vacationing group. Leave us alone, de- demonic presence. Yeah, stop spoiling everything, demonic presences. Um, this is Andy behind me, for those of you watching the video. Um kind of a comedic kind of a comedic take it leans into the visuals of and the the parlance i guess of a like a youtuber and it's done in a found footage style um you know with this youtuber channel and the associate people that make this channel with the character andy really go and visit their a strange friend who's basically become rich and successful and is a Hollywood movie star and like MCU style movies now. He's called Thunderman, Thunderman, um, and he, nice. yeah, that they build into those, they build into those conversations that they're trying to work out what happened between them, and their, you know, their other characters that they meet that are kind of exaggerated characters, caricaturish in that you know that they are you know the the pure one who is you know heavily implied to be a virgin even though he's got a girlfriend with him and there's the the guy that's kind of um a bit of a burnout and a bit of a fuck up and he's kind of along with them and the what the guy that's become successful and the jealousy of the original character that this friend has kind of moved on with his life while he is still um you know doing what they used to do before his friend became successful with him um but it it's tonally it's quite difficult because it begin not difficult it's um i think it changes its tone quite heavily in that it begins with a very kind of comedic air to it but then becomes a more serious film by the end i i think the intention of that is that there is a serious message to it it quickly begins to back away from some of the comedic elements and they're they're never entirely gone the dialogue in particular is still meant to be um you know it's irreverent and quite um you know it still has some jokes in there and they have the reactions some of the physical elements channel like um the thoughts of the original evil dead films and so on as well um and this cult activity and there are demons but it, it never goes full comedy, I wouldn't say. I, I don't think it's ever intended that you are going to be rolling around laughing and quoting the lines and feeling like it's purely done for laughs. There are some... There is a ser- there is a more serious and darker tone to it than, um, let's say, something like that, the wrong one in that we saw at Fright Fest Glasgow or A Shaun mm-hmm. of the Dead. Um, this has feelings of a slightly lighter toned um like a paranormal activity um, well one of the like, reviews here says like chronicle with demons so demonical demonical i'll take it demonical yeah um yeah. an overwhelming light-hearted sense of fun even if it's darker moments which are mesh well with things like the last exorcism there's an appealing sense of all okay yeah like i say it it definitely is played for laughs to a degree but don't expect it to be that they've purely designed a comedic film it has it is designed to have actual horror to it as well so yeah mm-hmm. paranormal activity nice. vibes with less insufferable characters than micah day trading red flags man um yeah and this guy's 
this guy's job is a YouTuber and he's less problematic than Mike than Mika Micah. So Mika Micah. Okay. Nice yeah. one. Uh that was mean spirited. So next up is Cult of VHS documentary, directed by Rob uh, Preciado with Graham Humphreys, David Gregory, Michael Keane, Kevin Martin, aka video store Kev. Uh and obviously producer Aaron Truss as well, who we um spoke to in a bonus episode talking all about the documentary as far as i'm aware it was really well received at fright fest a sold out screening everyone was well into it so yeah it's like a love letter to the vhs um format with collectors fans you know people talking about all their memories of the format um the graphic graphic artist graham humphreys who did a lot of vhs sleeves for things like evil dead talks a lot about that um movie makers um and just anybody you can imagine who would have some sort of connection to vhs telling tales of you know their favorite films that were on the format and also their first experiences of of the genre uh sorry of the of the format and you know as as for, for people of a certain age it will be something that's absolutely a, a big a huge nostalgia fest uh there's a whole section on video nasties as well which aaron mentioned he was very keen to include on there he thought it was very key especially to um uk video mm -hmm. video fans um so yeah like a load of um interviews footage from some films that you'll know some films that you won't and i think in general it's just a nice trip down memory lane well there's a tagline here it says a trip down memorex lane oh um, very good and in terms of somebody who's been watching a lot of these um sort of like making of and sort of film film how, how could you describe them like pretty much like love letter feature length documentaries about films and genres and very other various other things as well it's just as well made as all of the really good ones as, as well i've obviously watched in search of darkness recently and it's just as well made as that um and yeah a really nice documentary full of nostalgia for fans of analog i guess um and I mean, some of the reviews here say a bunch of nerds showing off their collections, plus some brief history of the format. I'm like, no, nah, it's just definitely a bit more than that. It feels like there's some substance to it. It's not just like a load of people just talking about their collections and how much videos are going for on eBay. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's well made. Uh, there are a lot of interesting personalities on the show and you'll hear some very interesting stories and you'll spend time with a lot of people that I think it's it's fun to spend time with. You feel like you're spending time with real movie buffs and movie fans as well. Um, so yeah, I highly, highly recommend it. Obviously, if you want to find out more about that, please listen to the bonus episode where I talked to producer Aaron Truss all about the making of this, how it came together and yeah, get involved. Good times. Enjoyed that. And um, what would you recommend? Like, is like so Cult of VHS is like In Search of Darkness. In um, Search of Darkness, or... maybe the, the last blockbuster documentary as well. That was fun. I think the last blockbuster is being made into a TV series as well. I found out like a drama comedy. I drama saw that. Yeah. Netflix. Did you see um, that? Some of the at least one of the Brooklyn Nine Nine cast in it, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, recommended. Next movie for me is a movie called Swallowed. Just me, right? You didn't watch this. I haven't seen Swallowed yet. No. Yeah, there's a there is another movie called Swallow, isn't there? About that woman who like swallows a load of mad shit, like a, a pin and a, a bonsai tree. I don't know about a bonsai tree. Made that up. 
<laughs> this was a really nice surprise, you know. Uh, so it's directed by Carter Smith, stars Jenna Malone, uh, Cooper Koch, and Will Patton. Um, and how could you? This is another one. I feel like where hmm, you could probably say, is it quite a horror? I don't know. Not entirely sure if it if it definitely is. Um, but yeah, of course, Mark Patton, the star of A Night on Elm Street Part Two, yeah, Freddy's Revenge, gets <laughs> to himself. dial it up. Like, so if Jesse himself was like, if if they're like, is this character supposed to be gay? Are there loads of um, gay connotations and gay um, undercurrents to this movie when it clearly is, you know, some thirty years later? Well. Mike Patton in the movie Swallowed gets to live out all live out all of the dreams of being a gay character um and really chewing the scenery in terms of being a gay character. A bad guy as well, you know? Um so his performance was like as soon as he walked into the, to a particular scene, I was like, Oh yeah, that's awesome. I'm glad it's good to see good to see this guy. And you know, very charismatic and provided a really good threat to to the main characters. I mean, the basic plot is there are two friends, Benjamin and Dom. Although they're friends, I was a little bit like, are they in a relationship for a while? And then as time followed on, you realised they're not in a relationship. So that was a bit confusing. Um, and they get involved in sort of like a drug deal slash delivering a package over the border for a friend scenario. It's more like a sort of um, Breaking Bad style drug infused um drama and i guess the horror elements are that there's significant threat and then there's a slightly odd not supernatural as such an odd sort of body horror okay element that comes into play that is the only thing that i would really consider it being horror but other than that it is a really well-made film um the characters are really engaging and their relationships are great jenna malone has got like a quite a small part in it but she but she's very good as well um and it just takes a turn at probably like i want to say the halfway point but it's probably a little bit after that takes a turn and becomes a very very different film um so it's directed by carter as i mentioned already but it's directed by carter smith who directed the movie the ruins okay um, which you may have seen a very very different the the plants that grow in you and get you that's right yeah um, so yeah, a very different sort of film to that, but yeah, just just a film that kept me really engaged, and I was kind of really interested in where the story was going. Um, and by the time Will Patton, wait, that's his name, isn't it? Have I said that wrong? Will Patton, yeah. But it's Mark Patton. Sorry, Will. Mark Patton. Sorry, Mark. God damn it! <laughs> God. I'm just reading names of it. By the time Mark Patton comes into proceedings, it really gives it like this jolt of energy that I feel like it really needed. Um, and by the time sort of things play out, um, is 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 a is quite an interesting sort of scenario. What would I recommend it for fans of? Obviously, if you're a fan of A Nightmare on Elm Street Part Two and you love Mark Patton in that, then watch this to see him really get his teeth into into a really interesting part. Um, where they've obviously said it feels like one of those roles you know when someone said just do whatever the hell you want you know play it out do it play it out act however you want um apart from that like mm, nightcrawler maybe with um jake gyllenhaal okay just just this sort of like nighttime 
I don't know if it is set in LA to be honest, but it kind of feels like this sort of nighttime, big city, um, sleazy, sleazy sort of like relationships, drug deals, everything going down. And it's got like this sort of body horror element. The body horror element could have been absent and it would have been just as good as a, a movie. Some choice reviews um, saying it's an LGBTQ horror thriller following two best friends in a messed up situation. Um, yeah, it seems like people are all pretty, pretty positive on it as well. It's lots of subtle genre nods. It's a, but someone says it's, it's disappointingly tame and thoroughly dull. What is here's the thing, it if it lent heavily into more heavily into the body horror stuff, I think it would probably would have been a better film. But you know, as uh, what people are calling it here, like a queer DIY horror film, it was successful in that. And I think you know having an having an iconic actor from the history of of lgbtq genre filmmaking especially horror is uh probably helps that a lot a huge so, yeah. huge point i mean i'm not going to read the full review because it gives a little insight into the uh later parts but alice here says mark Patton, i love you mark Patton, i love you not will Patton. sorry mark Patton. and why did i do that <laughs> to be fair um reading a lot of names out that's the reason next up is a movie called the ghosts of monday which i believe you saw andy the poster for it that's haunting that's the haunting of hill house right let's have a look remind myself of the poster it's the like of half a face and then like a, a rip something that looks like ripped paper and then like a scary house oh yeah there you go so ghost of monday directed by francesco Sincamani. it's a cypriot movie okay uh, starring Julian Sands, Anthony Scordy, Mark Huberman. Um, Eric Lindstrom is the showrunner of a popular American paranormal TV series, The Ghost of the New World. Following a freak accident in the series finale, the network pulled the plug. But redemption comes in an offer to travel to Cyprus to make a pilot about a tragically famous hotel where more than 100 people died in mysterious circumstances. And there we go. Um, Julian Sands, of course, most famous, the I would say. The Professor from Arachnophobia. The Spider Professor. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, Quite a big, big name. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, um, it is an English language film, despite it being, you know, set in and around Cyprus. So it's, uh, you know, not like some of the other movies you've seen from the countries that are not presented in 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 English. So English movie, um, for a British audience in particular, you will get, most haunted vibes from this. There's no Derek Akora analog. Um uh, maybe Julian Sands's character. Um <laughs> Derek but... Akora, rest rest in peace. <laughs> yeah. Um so yeah it, it's about a, a failing TV show that they've done. I, I think it's perhaps been more legitimate in the past. It's had elements of that history to it and they haven't been resorting to trickery and so on. But now wanting to make something that will catch the network's attention and relieve that pressure to be successful they are leaning into something more um going into that horror but then of course real real gooey things start happening um uh, there is you know some quite shocking moments of violence when things come up um in this there are some decent um sudden scares that come into this movie um, what would I recommend this for viewers of? I think if you enjoy um, 
uh, it's not quite so visceral and out there in terms of the the physical horror and those bits, but John Carpenter's Prince of Darkness will thematically line up with with something like this. Okay. Along with you, you pulled it from the poster, Ben. Um, House on Haunted Hill as well. Um, that okay. kind of feeling I think comes into this very heavily when as we unpick this mystery. And actually, if you think very particularly about the House and Haunted Hill remake, the media angle of it and those people that are there to record a show in, in, in a Why are they ghosts of Monday? Why are they ghosts of Tuesday? What's oh, they like about Monday? Is this like some sort of interesting take on like, oh, always living for the weekend, are you? Well, here's Monday again. Here's and Monday and it's going to get you. And these hotels, the rates are cheaper on a Monday because obviously people want to go away for a weekend Cyprus. So Monday, that's when you're going to get your best deal. So that's when the ghosts all come out. Couple of couple of uh, choice reviews here. Somebody says this is pedestrian nonsense, but guys, that ending is insane. Um, someone else, I will never tire of Julian Sands chewing the scenery. He does go uh, hard in this, does Julian Sands? Goes hard, and then somebody else says about as good as a horror film called The Ghosts of Monday Sounds. Take from that, <laughs> take from that what you will. Yeah, I mean, um, hyperbole. Uh, aside like i i found it perfectly watchable is it, it you know does it have those heights or those truly unique visuals that we might get from the analogs we pulled like john carpenter's prince of darkness possibly not but mm. it's got some worthwhile moments and it goes deeper into the law than i than i thought it was going to it's a little bit more than Oh, there's a ghost in here that's cross that you come into this hotel. It's got a little bit more 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 depth to it than that. Nice. Okay. Uh so next up is Everybody Dies by the End, directed by Ian Tripp and Ryan Schaefer. Uh Bill Oberst Jr., Vinnie Curran, Caroline Armaguay, Star. It's an American movie. Had its world premiere at Fright Fest. Cult horror director Alfred Costello has decided to make his ultimate masterpiece. Um but now he's returning to the independent movie fold to make his final shocker, an all-practical concept with a dark twist. So is it like a documentary is being made about him making a yeah, film? Yeah, it's a mockumentary in the fact that our lead character is a documentary maker who has been invited by this filmmaker as he fills his films, his like opus, his last movie. It's um, really referential to lots of elements of of the horror genre there's a couple of films that i watched that that lean into some similar tropes here but this one is played in universe as that it is a horror director that tarantino style has announced that he's doing a certain number of films and this is his last one he's ever going to do um and we go through with there's almost a cult following around this director and the people who he is on set with um we get lots of lovely cutaways that are staged and unstaged of the you know the, the making of the film and people actually acting out these the scenes that are there but then also the behind the scenes elements of um making of the movie i love some of the references to genre pieces um the director pulls up one joke about how he was um you know slated at one point to direct a movie inside the a well-known horror franchise, a movie in the Halloween franchise, and then his ideas of what he would have done with it, um, you know, leads some nice comedic elements as well. Michael Myers with a jetpack, almost. 
silver Michael Myers. Yeah, the um, yeah, it's it's got some really good for fans of the genre. It's got some nice little knowing nods that aren't overplayed. It's not like a, you know, uh, it doesn't go the Ready Player One style. It beats you over the head with its references. It leans into them and like if you can you can really enjoy them. There are some there are some good and interesting performances in this one. I really like the unhinged director. There's some great effects work um, that feels like you've successfully made it look like just things that are happening on a low set on a on a on a on the set of a horror film, very separate from the staged glitzy um, delivery of those kills. So it feels like they've gone they've gone quite practical when it's coming to making the this this low budget movie as well. Um, it's got a great energy and things like that, and it's got a really good um, a really good approach. This this director character, our main character here, is so compelling and so un- unstable to watch, and you don't know what he's going to say. Sometimes it's quite funny, and the other times he can be quite intense. Other times he's quite sympathetic and sad because he's you know um maybe a, a filmmaker that's maybe losing his touch or is really keen and clinging to this relevance or to relive his past glories uh and at the time he's a really weird director there's some great scenes where they meet the lead actor for the movie for the first time he arrives on set and it starts off right oh you know so good to see you so good to see you like so you know it's really nice that we get to meet each other for the first time and really get to understand what people are like. I mean, obviously your resume said that you were six foot four, which you are clearly not. So you're obviously a liar. Uh, like, And it just it changes on a dime like that from going to quite jovial to all of a sudden it's quite aggressive and oppressive. And yeah, it was a, it was an interesting watch. I, I quite enjoyed this one. Sounds good. Any recommendations, would you say? Um, yeah, I mean, different tonally, but it's got that kind of DIY feel of a film like The Blair Witch. It, again, leans into um, those found footage movies like A Paranormal Activity um, with with an escalating tension as things begin to happen as well. Um, actually, for those... Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, 
HelloFresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. As you have seen it, behind the mask, Rise of Leslie Vernon is a good. Oh yeah, it's a good. It's a good parallel to this one. Good shake. Nice one. What choice reviews uh, you got for us? Good. I haven't got any choice reviews, you know. Couldn't find any choice reviews. I guess it's so. just had its premiere, so. Yeah, I was going to say, no one, no one seems to have reviewed it. Um, so I guess we'll move swiftly on to a movie called Hounded, uh, which I think we both saw. We did. Uh, directed by Tommy Balding with Samantha Bond, Malachi Pilar Latchman, James Lance, Larry Lamb. Um, this is essentially, what if there was like a fox hunt, but with humans that's essentially it yeah uh, manor house gets like broken into by some south london thieves easy pickings or so they fall and they walk into a trap and use as pawns for uh their owner's sinister aims and yeah so basically fox hunting with humans um leans heavily into a lot of like stereotypes mm-hmm. but i think it's like a sort of silly b-movie genre film it's good I I I, pretty, I had a lot of fun with this. I think Samantha Bond is. To be fair, I didn't feel particular. I didn't feel much fret from like the villain characters, um, and I guess if we're supposed to be in some sort again another moral question, we're supposed to be feeling a little bit like who should we be rooting for here? I think it's pretty cut and dry, isn't it? We're not voting for. We're not rooting for the posh heads at all. No, at any there's point. big posh twats. Big posh twats. We're rooting for the criminals who, you know, essentially they're doing a job for somebody else. They're not hurting anybody. They're getting in, getting like a painting or like a piece of art or something and selling it to the, to the nearest bidder. Um, yeah, so it was kind of weird to see James Lance because he's obviously in loads of stuff, isn't he? Like British British TV is the... British TV, yeah. He's one of the hotel staff in I'm Ellen Partridge. That's right. That is right. Yes. He's like the, the sort of young, hip sort of kid. All right. How you doing, Alan? Yeah, you're right. And he's got yeah. like a little bit of a um thing going on with the Smack the Pony actresses, isn't he? With uh, the Sally Phillips. Sally Phillips, that's it. That's what I was trying to recognise who's from. And he's the one who says, What's your favorite Be- what's your favorite Beatles album? Um, I think I'd have to say the best of the Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> that's the best Be- that's my favorite Beatles album. Um, yeah, I don't know. The threat from the villain characters in this, I didn't quite feel as such. Um, it guess it played out a bit predictive, a bit predictable. You say that word predictably. Jesus, I am struggling now. It's late. <laughs> it's late. It's getting on. We're talking about a lot of films. Um, uh, especially, you know, when like the when oh, I've I've made it to a pub. Hopefully, they can help me. Oh, the police are going to help me. We know at every turn. Yeah, there's we've no seen. No way. We've seen it done a million seen, what's, times. Oh, what's the film with the lake? Um, and those horrible Eden those Lake. Horrible, Eden Lake. We've seen it. So, in terms of like, um, I really liked the core group of of characters, mm-hmm. um, who are obviously trying to survive. And I guess yeah, it's a bit like the hunt. I'd say. Um, it's got that sort of like violent. Yeah, it's got uh, feelings of the hunt, feelings of what attack the block maybe because of these kind of underdog youths that are yeah that you that you're gonna root to get for by. along the way yeah um but yeah I, I had quite a lot of fun with this this was this was very very watchable and ticked along nicely um and yeah I think I think it was it was, it was good 
and I would I would definitely recommend it. Yeah. Choice reviews. Choice reviews. Sorry, go on, Andy. No, I was gonna say I think other other things I'd link in films like Severance. I feel like Severance is a good yeah, one. Yeah, it's nice to see some of these newer faces taking on the the role of our of our criminals that that we that we meet here. I feel if this was a film made in a certain era, that this would be like the type of film where Jennifer Ellison or Talisa was our was a, one of our lead characters, yeah. but they Talisa, they have made yeah. they have made a sensible choice of just having a um, you know a, a cast that I didn't recognize uh, for the for the for the younger characters across the board. A... In fact, I only see one of them credited, and he's from Sharkbait. Um, oh yeah, but I think the script was pretty good as well. I think yeah. I believed. I believed kind of everybody except again the the villains were a bit cliche and you know it was all the oh we're you know we're just giving back um this country this, used is, to... this is a this is a code and that yeah I think when I got to yeah. that bit where they talked about this country used to be based on tradition and everything it felt a bit like in the first instance it was a project which was we, we touched on this with um the Texas Chainsaw remake recently as well. It was commentaries on the binary nature of culture and some cultural wars issues that we're facing in increasingly in modern society. But the polar opposites that we see written, and I, I do not know anything about the the writer to comment how accurate this is. Um, when I first started watching it i thought it was going to be perhaps a little bit reductive and it features you know working class um underprivileged youths that have turned to crime and also in you know very upper class aristocracy almost written from a perspective from someone who didn't fit into either of those groups so in both Mm. cases they were kind of maybe going to be shallow extremes of those but actually once i got once we got past that opening scene of oh this country used to be run by lions and the tradition of it it becomes more nuanced and it becomes more forgiving and interesting as a result i think yeah and obviously it could have been a bit of a commentary on on race as well because obviously the the sort of villains are like all these white well-to-do and the fact that some of these youths some of them like fifty percent of the youths that that are sort of involved um, are, are heroes essentially, um, are people of color. The fact that that's never really touched upon or even suggested by anybody, it's almost like it's it's an element of it that would be present in this particular scenario of white people hunting down, you know, people, um, people of color. It's, it's very obvious that someone would have something to say. One of those characters would have something to say in that particular scenario. Mm-hmm. It feels like it very purposely ignores that. And I don't know if that's a good thing or not, because it's almost like it should at least sort of acknowledge the fact that they're doing this and it could be perceived in a certain way. I get. Um, the, I guess the closest we get to that is when um, James Lance's character is fighting with um, I don't have the character's name in front of me. The the character who has an Eastern European accent. Um, yeah, uh, and, and he's fighting with him, and he, and he I think that character pulls out at some point. Why don't you go back from you know go back to where you came uh, from? What yeah. you do? And he says, "I, I'm from Peckham," 
yeah, um, yeah, yeah, like it touches on that, but um, yeah, yeah primarily it felt... it's about it, primarily it's focused on the differences in class and their class, approach yeah. to the law, right? You know, the the young characters in it are seen as criminals from the beginning because the first action we see them is them robbing a house, whereas the mm. the upper class characters are actively hunting and trying to murder people, and they are seen as Ignoring the law right or being thing, yeah. be, being above it almost. Yeah, I mean, it was one of those films where, like, it's gonna, but leaning so heavily into those stereotypes, it's gonna, it's gonna be a bit, a bit frustrating in places. But still, I enjoyed it. I, uh, I found, what, it, what I it found was. it enjoyable. I, I think I feel quite forgiving of this movie. I think it was done well enough that I, 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 I forgive a lot of its extreme points as artistic license, and it's meant to be exaggerated. Because mm-hmm. it doesn't take it, I don't feel it takes itself all that incredibly seriously, so it's enjoyable. Yeah, I agree. Uh, okay, so the next movie is a movie called The Group, directed by Will Will Heigo, uh, stars Evangelina Burton, Dylan Baldwin, Jennifer Aries. So again, this is one where so this is a world premiere. Um, it's a Brit- British movie. After an overdose, heroin, ad- heroin addict Cara returns to the support group she abandoned for one last chance to make things right. Again, a movie that you could easily say has got no horror in it at all. I mean, sure, it's a thriller. It's a violent thriller um, because there's a mysterious gunman turns up and it intends to push them, to punish them all for something. You know, it gets involved and he's like, right, well, we're all here. Why don't you all start telling the truth? That sort of thing. Why? Um, I don't know. I was a bit. I can't. I can't, I don't know. You know when you. I kind of saw through the plot pretty much immediately. I kind of saw which way it was going to go. Um, kind of feels a bit over the top. Some of the performances, unfortunately, I don't know if it's just the performances, but maybe it was the script as well. Some of it felt. I don't know. I didn't quite believe it. It really did feel like. Um. I don't know. I didn't feel like I had much in terms of tension. There wasn't much in terms of, I think if the performances were a bit better, I could have easily locked into this, um, to this plot. But the fact that it didn't kind of have that, I don't know. I felt like you suspect another movie. You're supposed to suspend your disbelief for why a wouldn't happen, why B wouldn't happen. And so for that sense, I found it a little bit difficult to, to, to really really enjoy and again i think when you watch when you're at fright fest i think you expect to see certain movies of certain genres that you're kind of almost hoping sometimes for especially a film you're not enjoying too much you're hoping for that element of something extreme or something supernatural or something interesting to to come in and save the plot for what is essentially a bit of a half-boiled sort of thriller with yeah with some some good performances some that you just don't quite believe you know some that okay. you just can't some that you just can't quite get on board with um what would i recommend it for fans of not not any sort of not any sort of horror i guess not really but i guess some some uh so some choice reviews is i mean it's a debut feature for the director so yeah interesting watch and definitely like it's a bit of a bleak and moody look uh, addiction and i guess even some some elements of the script feel a bit cliche like some like things have been taken out of the playbook of like what people expect addicts to be like and act like you know 
stealing something, lying about this, which of course is true, but at the same time, just felt a bit cliche in a way. Okay. So that was that was the group. Um, the next film we've got is a film that I think both of us saw, a movie called Control. We did saw Control. Saw Control, directed by James Mark, uh, starring Sarah Mitch, George Chortov, Evie Lozell. It's a Canadian movie. Um, oh, I think it was the world premiere, but it's presented in conjunction with the Trieste Science and Fiction Festival, or maybe Science Fiction Festival. So, uh, young lady. Locked in a mysterious room and commanded by an unknown voice. Uh, she must complete several tasks in order to save her daughter's life. Um, this is, yeah, I guess more like science science fiction. Yeah, it's science fiction. Single it's location. elements of films like The Cube to it. I guess it's not trapped so much as it isn't like, it's like... Yeah, Cube, Escape Portal, <laughs> like the game. Yeah. Like it's like test chambers and so on that people are working through. I, I haven't played the game of the same name, but with the powers and with the you know with the elements that this is built into, I had to Google: Is this in any way related to? Yeah. Like, is this intended to be a homage to control mean, yeah. the game? Like, there was a little bit of. Um, I mean kind of convergence of those things in my mind as I began watching this movie. Yeah, a little bit like, so obviously there's some sort of, I mean, this isn't a spoiler because it says it in the, in the synopsis, but there's somebody who's got like telekinetic abilities and essentially there's some force trying to get her to act on these telekinetic abilities in order to to like save her daughter. Um, so yeah, a lot of stuff like, break that bloody pencil. Yeah. Unscrew this chair from the table. Do this thing. Um, yeah. What did you? What would you? What was your overall take? Um, yeah, I thought it was pretty good. Again, pretty well made in terms of a film. This like a singular location. I think it has to be really good to like really. I know we, we move out of the room a bit, but it has to be really good to kind of really succeed. And I thought it was just just okay. I kind of. I liked some of the elements. There were some interesting twists that I perhaps didn't see coming. Um, so yeah, I would... Yeah, some, some interesting twists. Maybe I didn't have the other one that you commented on to know if that's felt, felt the same. I felt conceptually you might have been able to do a slightly tighter film with it. You could probably tell this story um, in a really concise um meaningful like 20 30 minutes short um mm. i think that's how i felt, felt about a few of these films maybe yeah. the films i didn't i didn't gel with quite so much felt like in terms of concepts they weren't fleshed out enough to really warrant a feature that was my only problems yeah but um you know there was still some interesting stuff that i liked some of the effect work i liked the claustrophobia of it um, what were we saying for films that you would would uh, would be a fan of? Yeah, you know, I think recommend. Cube, this. I think Cube is a good shout. Maybe like a, one of some of the escape room movies. Um, the platform it reminded me of a little bit. Obviously, mm -hmm. platform far more bleak and uh, in terms of thematics and and commentaries on on humans in general. Maybe that this obviously with the telekinesis stuff. Um, a vanilla version of uh, 
X Men. What's that X Men series called? X Men. Oh, um, Prometheus. Prometheus? No, he's not Prometheus. That's a DC villain. Uh, Legion. <laughs> a... Legion. Yeah, uh, a vanilla version of that. You know. Okay. Yeah, I, uh... I um I enjoyed it. It gave me like kind of sci-fi outer limits um episode mm. you know those feature length outer limits that we got um in our childhood it, it, it gave me good vibes of them i like a little bit of spooky sci-fi it's a good it's a good short story um yeah maybe a little maybe a little bit long in the delivery but i i think worth picking up and, and going through a little bit long in the tooth perhaps um okay and next is a movie called do not disturb director john ainsley obviously who you spoke to on a re on a recent bonus episode talking all about the film mm -hmm. uh stars kimberly lafiere rogan christopher janet porter as american movie this was his international premiere at uh fright fest um chloe and jack travel to miami for their honeymoon amidst the flashy neon and sunny beaches they decide that a certain experience will strengthen their marriage, but unbeknownst to them, they've been given a rare and powerful strand of the drug that awakens a desire to eat human flesh, as as often happens. You know, if you take the wrong drug, suddenly you'll be chowing down on someone's arse. Yeah, you'll absolutely lose your, lose your shit and then accidentally eat someone. Um, I really enjoyed this, uh, not just because I had a chat with John who's very nice, um, but... Um, really interesting movie like looking back on control where it's largely set in one location um so there's that claustrophobe but obviously a completely different experience when it's these people experiencing these gaps in memory and these psychedelics that come down from this this uh, drug they've ingested elements of comedy to it um you know there's some really irreverent humor there's some really good almost slapstick moments um if you've heard the interview with john like i came away with the impression that they felt very organic in the same way that you watch um the pratt falling that that um will happen in from bruce campbell in an evil dead movie like uh, it felt very authentic if you've ever had friends that you've seen that are really drunk or on drugs or anything how they will fall and tumble about and say the most ridiculous like non you know without context the most surreal things ever um there's a lot of there's a lot of humor to it and there's almost some over-the-top elements to the violence but at the same time it is also extreme in places and then the film also will really dial it in have some serious conversations about the nature of relationships that uh, the pause that you can pause to listen to and it's not just all throwaway action and a bit of meaningless dialogue between things they there is a meaning behind this that the director and writers are trying to bring out here and for me largely largely very effective i think there were some really strong performances in this one mm, yeah a great conversation you had with john as well so I recommend that if uh it sounds like it's right up your alley. Yeah. Um, what do I recommend if you watched? Um, I guess we might be limited on reviews on this one. It's an international debut just this weekend. But um, yeah, I, I'd recommend it for, I mean, elements of things like Cabin Fever. But obviously that, that, that's, a, 
that's a disease as opposed to the, the setting is very different but that kind of feeling of location um there's not um you know, the, the, there's some over the top feelings there are there's flavors of things like like evil dead and james gunn work in there there's um you know john himself mentioned that influenced by films like bug and bad batch and things like that that's all that he's mm. really grown up loving in terms um, of the location stuff it reminded me a bit of i mean i haven't seen it obviously but just from your description and the interview we need to do something which is a sort of weird i guess it is a bit cosmic horror-y but just from stuck in a place scenario i'm trying to think of a good example of a kind of a drug infused um like experience and I, i'm not sure i can pull one off the top of my memory. requiem for a dream i've not seen it I'll, I'll take your word for it <laughs> take my word for it a mandy um, feels like a drug infused experience to be fair yeah maybe elements of like mandy then yeah there's um th- this is really interesting like tonally very diverse um from the serious nature of their relationship to you know what's what some of the most more disturbing elements that happen and then into kind of laughs and jokes again um mm-hmm. there were some gasps in this one as i was watching it yeah i really enjoyed it awesome uh okay and then we've got before we get onto the movie that closed the festival we've got so i'm a bit confused by this so the once and future smash and it says and end zone two the way it's yeah. sort of been described is it one and the same or is it it is it is a pair of movies that you should experience together um yeah so directed by sophia cacciola and michael j epstein Michael, starring michael st michael bill whedon a spoof documentary about a faux exploitation film in a dub, double bill fun, something to do with a uh, football cannibal, <laughs> football yeah. cannibal smash. I think I, I'm gonna have to explain this to you. I think, um, okay, absolutely 100% my shit and right up my street on this. <laughs> oh, one. wow, okay. It is a, it is a two part thing, and I love it when filmmakers do something like this that really fucks about with narrative and is done with a great amount of joy and this Wes Craven and beyond levels of meta narratives that they're pulling out here so effectively um end zone two and if you look this up on letterboxd I've checked this out when I was doing it end zone two is listed as a 1970 movie so even saying this I am speculating I'm not entirely sure that they haven't done something even more clever here but the it comes up as a 1970 and when you watch end zone 2 its statement is that this is a partial movie that we've been able to recover and has been restored that's from 1970s and people have really poor memory of it and it doesn't really exist and by the way we haven't been able to find the last half an hour of it so it's about an hour long and it has great kind of this is the burning it's that kind of um you know it, it it's got the feeling of a it hasn't got the same location as a burning it's and it's got older characters it's got like a a black christmas a a the burning that kind uh a slumber party massacre feel of these okay. group of people that are together 
Uh, they are appearing in a horror sequel from a film that was, so to say, released in like 1960-odd about a football player who was beaten up and bullied by his team and had his jaw broken, whose mom, Jason Voorhees style, um, in the original, killed and blended up the rest of the team so he could eat them with his broken jaw. And now that's what happened in the first movie, which doesn't appear to actually exist. And then this is the sequel to it. And it is played very much for... Played very cleverly in that it isn't overtly made like a comedy. It's very genuinely made like a 1970s low-budget slasher movie, a a pre-Friday the 13th and pre-Halloween slasher movie. Okay. And it's made very earnestly, but unless I'm mistaken, it is made now. Uh, and it looks at those things quite fondly. And there's that humor that's inherent from those, the way it's delivered. And it's got some hammy scenes. It's got some like cheap effects. And, you know, it's got people screaming wildly as they run around through this really, really authentic 70s feeling slasher. So that exists good. on its own. The Once and Future Smash is a pseudo documentary which has some incredible names of horror. It's got like the directors of like Jason X and Jason Goes to Hell in there, uh, and people who have played um, good old Uncle Lloyd is there from Troma talking oh, wow. about the experience of this film. So the beginning of this movie is largely them talking about End Zone 2, a film. You know, and they're delivering lines about how they and the horror community loved that. Uh, and now it's being potentially remade. And then it goes into almost like an office style documentary of there are two people that claim to have played the killer from Endzone. One of them, the guy who was in it for most of the movie, and another one who was only the killer for the end of the movie, which is the reel of the film that no one can find a copy of so no one remembers him actually being in it and people quite openly say i've only seen the first hour of that movie not the end um and it's it's played very much for comedy it has that kind of the office level of like the cringe humor as you're watching these things unfold um you know with awkwardness these two actors that hate each other have to be in a uh, uh, you have to like share yeah. a table at a convention together. It has touches of that, it has thematic touches with things like a Borat or something like that as well, which is, you know, that that played for comedy because of the ridiculousness of these characters, and then them very sincerely approaching these events and the scenarios that they're in without any recognition as to that isn't really how the real world works. Um, it's got some funny moments in it. It has lots of jokes in there for fans of the genre. Uh, and, you know, speaking of making movies and so on as well, and the issue with sequels and reboots, there's a lot of conversation about what they're going to call this film that is set 10 minutes into the second film, but ignores the end of that and the sequels that followed. Um, it takes some digs at some big horror franchises. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and it's done very playfully, very joyfully. Um, it's very silly. It has it has a touch of trauma energy to it in, in the production as well. Um, mm-hmm. 
much like the wider film does, big, big trauma energy. I can see why they were able to get Lloyd Kaufman to be able to appear here as and join in with this one. Um, yeah, yeah, I I enjoyed it. It's very, it's very joyful. And then I would again, I would fans of Sleepaway Camp, fans of um, yeah, trauma movies, the Toxic Avenger, feelings like film films like that. And if you like your second-rate um, slasher movies, you will, you know, if you're a big fan of those, you will, you will get something out of this. Sweet, nice one. Okay, so that brings us to the movie which closed the festival, uh, which obviously both of us saw, and yeah. that's a movie called Fall, directed by Scott Mann, um, starring Grace, Caroline Curry, Virginia Gardner, Jeffrey D. Morgan. Turns out, Danny. Yes. Um, Mason Gooding. Uh, so for best friends, Becky and Hunter, life is about conquering fears and pushing limits. But after they climb 2,000 feet to the top of a remote abandoned radio tower, a massive long pole, the longest pole you can ever imagine. You should never climb up. Never climb up. They find themselves stranded with no way down. Uh, so yeah, their expert climbing skills are put to the ultimate test. As they desperately fight to survive the elements, and obviously a film we mentioned before, the ledge, which was which we watched at Fright Fest Glasgow, we mentioned that again on this one, a movie that is like thriller slash suspense, but I guess you could understand why it would take place at a horror thing because people are scared of heights, you know. Yeah, this is anxiety. The movie. Uh, I I know anxiety. The movie. Yeah, uh, it's the same makers as Forty Seven Meters Down. Um. Which I was watching this with Karen, and she also mentioned that effectively you just made the reverse movie of Forty Seven Meters Down. Like that one, too far down, you're in trouble. This time, too far up, and you got to try and too far up. You got to try old, and get past it. But big, big old wobbly pole. Yeah, but you know what? Um, simplicity of the concept alone. People are scared of heights, and that's dead high up wasn't half effective i was watching it with like biting my fist on several occasions yeah um it was very very tense um a couple of things played out a bit it was i don't know you know kind of watch a film and you feel like there's so many parts of films that i feel like i've seen like cliffhanger um and you know i'm not going to spoil a certain thing but a certain twist based on a relationship scenario i saw you saw it coming a, mi- a mile off. Yeah, yeah. From you but, could you could see that as if it was that tire, that that tower that they're they're up against. Yeah. Yep. But see then that. again, another sort of twist didn't see coming. Did it? Was it effective? Not quite sure. Um, but yeah, this was like edgier seat, fingernails torn, fingernails bitten down to nubbins. Um, I'm quite scared of heights as well. So um, the thought of this is, I think I just quietly pass away up there i don't know if yeah I, I, I think like this one i wouldn't realistically i'd never climb up there in the first place like uh, hunter would have said to me andy don't make yourself be ruled by fear and i was like i actually think it's braver not to be peer pressured hunter get yourself i think, it's, yeah. I think it's braver to be scared and not climb up this yeah. horrible rusty uh, wobbly tall thin pole where when you get to the top what what do you get to sit on the same sort of platform it's the same size as a coaster yeah, <laughs> I, I, I feel I feel like if I was gonna climb up there at all I would have taken a parachute and just accepted that I'm just tumbling off this yeah because when when that ladder fall fell down um you know that's in the trailer it's not a spoiler that like the ladder falls down they're stuck at the top 
I think I wouldn't have tried anything. I'd have been like, I'm just, I'm dead. Bye. Jumped off. Yeah. I think that's only fair, isn't it? Um, um, yeah. Really, really like effectively done, though. I say what you want about the the story itself uh, and the what's predictable, what is, um, you know, what takes you by surprise, what the character relationships are and so on. But the moment-to-moment tension is expertly done. What, whatever you take away from the characters is one thing, but it does not feel horrible watching them up there. Yeah, there's a lot of tension based on, you know, different methods that they're trying to make the most of to, to survive and things where you're like, oh, they're saved, it's fine. And then things go tits up fairly soon. There's an interesting use of a drone as well, which starts off as like them filming a vlog, but in the end they kind of, not in the end, but eventually they use it to, as something to perhaps help them get down. Um, pretty tragic, I guess, not without spoiling things. Jeffrey D. Morgan's like the dad on the end of the phone. That's the only, that's the extent of his role. But still, it injects a quite decent, and I think Mason Gooden is in the first scene. He's obviously in the Scream, the recent Scream movie, Scream 5, 5 Cream. He's in that. Um, Grace Caroline Curry, one of the leads. She's in things like Annabelle Creation, both Shazam movies, apparently. Um, and Virginia Garden. Uh, Virginia Gardner is in Halloween 2018. So, you know, a decent cast. And I think it makes it this this is the this is the perfect example of what a good performance does for a movie. Because I just feel like these actors are accomplished in what they're doing and it helps that tension. Whereas in a movie like sorry to throw it under the bus, the group, it feels like based on the skills of those actors, I was already not invested in anything that was going on. Mm-hmm. But I could imagine actors of this caliber in that same scenario would have definitely made me more interested so i think that's why ford does well because of the the i guess the direction the script and also the um the actors as well uh recommended for fans of i mean i guess you say the ledge i guess you say cliffhanger i guess you'd say any sort of in a place surviving movie 127 hours 127 hours, 47 meters down, frozen. The shallows. Yeah, the shallows, yeah. All of these kind of like fighting for survival movies, um, definitely. I guess I should clarify when I say frozen, I mean the one where they get stuck on a chair, like not (laughs) the magical Disney princesses that I have ice powers. Bloody ice powers. Um, Okay, so that was the movie that closed. Obviously, what we'll do now, seamless transition over to uh, Lucy. I'm there as well. Over to me and Lucy. Uh, what gonna, she'll tell us. You're going to talk about the fall first. So it's a seamless transition where you literally get her to go. Yeah, we'll ask oh. Lucy what she, Lucy, what do you think about the about fall? Yeah. And then we'll ask her what else she saw before we move on. I'll tell you what, as I won't see her in person, may I hand over to her? Do it. Um, hey, Lucy in the future. This is Andy from the past here. What did you think about the fall? Just go full. Oh shit! <laughs> what did you think about full, Lucy? Sorry, I had to clarify that. I hope that Ben will pass this on accurately. There's a film called recording. The Fall, and she might be like, "Well, I know about the film called The Fall." Yeah, don't. Okay. I, I, I'm not. It's not that I'm not interested about the the your feelings on The Fall, but just for the purposes of today, um, just tell me what you think about Fall 2022. Hello, Lucy. Lucy's here now. There she is. Look at that. But the magic of podcast editing, we fast forward 24 hours 
uh, and Lucy joins us. But Andy's gone, gone forever. Not forever. He'll be back in a minute. <laughs> Hello, thanks for having me back for a Hello, special welcome. episode. Thanks very much for coming back. Um, and of course, uh, special bumper edition of, of Horror Hangout this week, discussing all the movies that we saw at Fright Fest. Me and Andy have just chatted about all the films we saw, uh, and you, but you've seen some as well. But not only have you seen some, you were actually there at the event uh, in mm-hmm. London, in the screens, actually in the screens, in the seats, I surrounded was. by the best and brightest horror fans and horror journalists and Edgar Wright. And Edgar Wright. <laughs> let me get, let me get this yeah. straight. I'm assuming he was in the same screen as you as well, right? He was, yeah. So Edgar, like, yeah. just to clarify, he didn't have a film there, but he was just there as a fan. So mm. basically he'd rocked up for the closing film, which was Fall. Um, and he was just hanging out in the lobby, obviously, before the film started. And, and a mate of mine, uh, if she's listening, shout out to Tessa, because she gave me the courage to go up to him because I wouldn't have if it wasn't for her. <laughs> she just think... sort of walked up to him like, hello, Edgar. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> <laughs> You can't do that. <laughs> she had so much confidence. And I was just like, holy shit. But he was so lovely. Like, you know, wow. re- really, really quick. Hello, big fan. Can I take a picture? And he was great. So, yeah. Because oh, it's always a worry when you meet someone that you like or idolise, that they're going to be a twat. Um, yeah. But I mean, I had heard good things about him and obviously I fully appreciate, he, you know, I didn't, he didn't owe me anything. He wasn't there as like a meet and greet or anything. Mm. So it was, just, it was nice of him to take time to do that. So yeah, very nice. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure he seems like a, he seems like a lovely guy. Uh, he was. Just from, mm-hmm. And he seems like a, like a genuine film fan as well. Like, so. Oh yeah, you probably. can tell. I mean, like I say, the fact that he went to the festival to see Fall, you know, I'm sure he could get a screener if he really wanted to or something, you know, he, I'm sure he's got connections, but the fact he turned up to a festival to see it, you know, it's just nice. Because yeah, I know, well. I remember Shaun of the Dead premiered in Bright Fest back in the day when it was first released, all those years ago. Um, oh, at the, okay. At, okay. at the Prince, at the Prince Charles Cinema, yeah, 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 which is one of Edgar Wright's favourite cinemas. That's um, amazing. Obviously uh, back when he was kind of starting out, because I mean, Shaun of the Dead was one of his much earlier films, so yeah. Hmm. That's so cool, though. Um, so <laughs> it was, it was, you've been to Fright Fest before, though, haven't you? I have, yeah. So I've done yeah. it two, uh, three times in person and then one virtual with, when the pandemic hit. Um, mm. So I've done a fair amount, but I want to make it like a regular thing, for sure. Yeah, I know me and Andy are definitely keen to, to get mm-hmm. to one soon. Well, the next one. Um, yeah. Just because just we've enjoyed, we've covered, we covered Fright Fest. Fright, I, I can never say it. Fright <laughs> Fest. Glasgow, flight flight. Yeah. Um, and we come and we've covered this this year's and that this has been our first experience, you know, with Fright Fest. So we've really enjoyed it and we really want to do more of it. So mm. um we're really keen to get there again. How did this year compare to to previous years, would you say? I mean, this year I only had a weekend pass, so I only had two days. Um, because you can do mm. the full five days if you want. It was just, you know, life is expensive, guys. <laughs> so, you know, I had to make I had to just <laughs> do two yeah. days but but you know I crammed a lot into those two days and um, saw a lot of good films and it, it's good that the festival gives you that flexibility though like you can buy the full ticket you can buy individual films you can buy like a weekend pass like a Saturday Sunday so it's quite flexible yeah that's so good. I think I think it's very accessible for that kind of thing you didn't get any problems with like booking seats because I know a lot of the screens sold out no well. so but when you get your pass I mean I can get we'll get my pass actually because you've got the video and showed off <laughs> it's got yeah my, it's got my seat number on it hang on <laughs> oh wow let's see um, so, the actual 
past. But when when you flesh. book it, yeah, when you book this, my, my, my Monday pass, which was my favorite day, this is the pass. Um, Sweet. And then nice. Lucy, Lucy F31. <laughs> so that, that's the seat you're in for the entire festival, basically. That, that's okay. your seat. Um, so ah, obviously, I see. I see. obviously, when it has sold out, it means people can't then just come in as latecomers or something. So when you book on the system, you you select your own seat, like as you would to book a book a normal film. Yeah, yeah. And people then that's your waltz in. that's your seat. Yeah, that's your seat for the main screen. Yeah, <clears throat> nice. Which is cool. So I'm assuming like all the sh- all the screenings you went to were full up. Is that pretty much? Mostly, I mean, the main screen gets very busy. I mean, the the Cine World in Leicester Square has the IMAX and the super screen, so obviously that's two very big screens. Usually, at least one of those sells sells out, but you know, I mean, that's that's mm. quite a big capacity. <laughs> But for something like Fall or Terrifier or any, you know, the Dario Argento film I know did very well, um, there's a huge turnout for that. But I think if you don't want to see things on the main screen, there are sort of small screens too that you can go off and have a look at. So that there's a lot of variety, lots of independence with lots of shorts, you know. Yeah, so, there, were, there, was, there were lots of shorts. But now, I know, I know, I know mm-hmm. you saw some shorts. I uh, did. I saw, I saw well, I think I saw one short in the end. Um <clears throat> yeah, it definitely got to a point where I'd consumed a lot. Of, <laughs> I'd consumed a lot of films, and I was a bit like, I think I just need maybe just one day, one day break. <laughs> I uh, think the o- the only downside, as with any festival, as I'm sure you know, is that there's so much choice, and you can't be in two places at once. So unfortunately, yeah. you do have to look at the timetable and go right. Which one do I want to watch? Which one do I want to watch over the other one? And that can be yeah. when there's a clash. You're like, oh no. <laughs> But yeah. I had to make that decision sometimes. Yeah, it was quite difficult. Yeah, like with bands at a festival, isn't it? When you see those clashes, you're like, oh, exactly, God, exactly. Can I do? I you can't do, do both. <laughs> do both. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's uh, that's awesome. Um, and I think, uh, as I mentioned with Andy, we, I definitely got a bit of FOMO. I was a bit like, mm. oh, so good. Look at the look at the stairs and look at the screens yeah. and everyone's everyone's having fun and everyone's meeting each other. And they really went right. all out this year. I mean, they always do, but I don't know if you know, but they're opening the Saw Escape Room later this year in London. Ah, okay. So they yeah. part they part end with Fright Fest, and they had this big banner of like sort of Billy on the big screen, and like you know, kind of the, the promo for the experience, and Billy the puppet was there, and just little things like that, just you know, just to make you the feel the real like Billy the puppet, the real life Billy, the, the real guy, yeah, 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 the yeah. real guy. He was on his uh, little tricycle, yeah. Pause for walked, photos. Just walked <laughs> in, put a load of traps on people's heads, and left. Got the hell out of there. Yeah, see it's, you later, Billy. It's quite jarring when you walk in and the first thing you see is this massive fucking puppet face. You're like, whoa. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, but it's great, and the the people are great. You know, I feel like <laughs> we always have this joke where we know people's Twitter handles above their actual names, so you know, you kind <laughs> of yeah, you, you, it would just like, hi, I'm at whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. then you you probably know them but I think you know even if you are a newcomer like because I was a newcomer back, back in the day like everyone's so nice you're gonna meet people mm. that because everyone's there for the same thing you know and I think yeah. it's a very chill festival like I think horror fans are you know despite the stuff that we watch are fairly chill people <laughs> oh yeah so definitely. I completely it's, agree. it's a great place yeah. yeah uh yeah so of course yeah, you, um you should definitely come nice to see you <laughs> yeah i'm really really keen to come um so next year and you know hopefully we'll cover cover the yeah all the movies on the podcast as well uh let's do it me and andy we're gonna have to get official horror hangout t-shirts to wear so then again people won't worry about not knowing who you are 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe maybe get a Twitter, Twitter handle on your T-shirt. <laughs> like have a little That'd name badge, yeah. That might be one step too far. Um, yeah. So just me and Andy, we ended our discussion of all of the films that we'd seen. We ended it on the film that closed the festival. So I thought it probably would be a good idea to discuss that one with you first. Um, and that movie is Fall, which I understand you saw on a, a, a massive screen, right? Yeah, <laughs> very <laughs> and, big screen. <laughs> and I'm assuming you were, you weren't sat like right there. You were a bit further oh, back. You didn't feel. Uh, right. I was F, so I was a fair bit, but I was close enough. You know, it's yeah. it, it's quite a jarring experience to be up there with a screen yeah. that's like huge, <laughs> mahusive. Um, mm. And obviously, this is like um, more s- suspense slash thriller than horror, but I guess. You know, being scared of heights is a horror in itself, so it does mm-hmm. still fit into that genre. Uh, me and Andy, we we pretty much enjoyed it. I think we we enjoyed it for what it was. It it was it was very reminiscent of certain films, you know, where someone's stuck somewhere needing to survive. So I guess like 127 Hours, or mm. I think Andy mentioned Frozen, the oh yeah, ski lift one, yeah. and. Uh, there was a film that showed at Fright Fest Glasgow as well called The Ledge, which I think had a bit... Oh, The Ledge, yeah. Mm. Yeah, a few similarities. But, yeah, did you did you enjoy it? I had a blast with it. I thought it was great fun for what it was. And I just think, you know, ultimately you're going to watch two people get stuck on a tower. That's why you're there. <laughs> two you know, people you... stuck up a massive pole. What are you doing out there? Get back, for God's sake. I mean... It's ridiculous because, but maybe it's because I'm not a thrill seeker at all. Like I'm not an adrenaline junkie. So the mm. fact that they're basically like, you know, we're going to reconcile as friends by climbing a 2000 foot tower. I'd be like, I'm going to go at the pub. Like why, why we're doing this? Like <laughs> so stupid. It, you know what I mean? It's like, going to put no more need. pressure on the friendship. I don't know about you. But if I'm in any yeah. scenario like that, I'm probably like a really miserable, angry, short tempered bastard. Mm. But I'm just like, what are we doing up here? Get me down. Literally, literally. But yeah, no, I think, you know, Visually, it's fantastic. You know, there's a lot of very vertigo-inducing shots. It does feel very convincing. You know, mm. you have, like, when they get up there, you know, there's the wobbling of the tower. It's all very unnerving. It's all very... It really... It's, you know, it's exactly what you think it's going to be. Lots of horrible shots like that. Um, some surprisingly gory moments as the film progresses as well. Mm. Um, yeah. For what it was, I thought I thought it was a very solid like survival movie. You know, I'm a big fan of things like you know, like you say, 127 hours or, or buried or something like that. Yeah. You know, I think anything where someone's trapped or in a in a perilous situation like the shallows, um, I love that kind of stuff. Yeah, we so, meant, we did we did mention the shallows mm-hmm. as well as one of those films because because I yeah. think on pay on paper as a plot device or you know as a story, it seems like oh well you know that's going to be pretty boring or what could what could possibly happen during those 90 <laughs> minutes to keep us engaged and you know it throws so many different things at us vultures uh a, a drone so mm-hmm. to a bloke and a dog yep. uh jeffrey dean morgan mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, uh a cheating dead boyfriend that's a spoiler sorry um yeah but yeah i think but that's I- kind of that's kind of I in the synops- synopsis. The isn't it? film sort of implies that, you know. I think, I yeah. think if I was going to nitpick it, you know, fine well something's going on between those two girls. Like you know, yeah. fine well, and there's yeah. going to be a revelation, and it's probably that she was shagging her, you know, husband. Yeah, and it's pretty is... heavily implied. So <laughs> yeah. it's pretty heavily implied, and I think, but I don't think that kind of 
it didn't affect no. things too much you just kind of saw it coming you kind of felt no i think it, it it increases the peril really because it sort of it increases the tension between the two and they're already stuck up there so obviously mm. in a scenario like that you would probably attempt to walk away from that person and be like i can't deal with this <laughs> that's not an option when you're stuck up there I'm so, going down to the yeah. next bit of the poll, all right? Uh, I'm just going to not talk to you, yeah? <laughs> back to back. Uh, oh, yeah. Of all the times you want to take a parachute, eh? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I did kind of think, so even though there is a revelation of, of sorts, there is also a kind of twist. And I won't, I won't mention what the twist is, but there's like a twist moment. And I don't know. Mm. I don't know how I felt about that. I don't know if I felt like it needed it. I don't know you think. I quite that. liked it, obviously, to keep it vague for the sake of people who haven't seen it. I think as a sort of, you know, progression from the second act into the third and, you know, kind of um, completely forgotten the characters' names. Like, I, I wrote a review about them and I kept saying their names and I forgot the names. One's called Hunter and one's called... Becky? Is it Becky? The dark-haired one? Yeah, possibly. Right, Becky. Well, we'll say yeah. Becky. I think it's Becky. Anywho, I, mean... I, think, I think especially <laughs> for, for those two, we had a sort of, like you know have a sort of character development there and i think that the twist you're referring to does further that development if that makes sense um for me yeah like again keeping it vague because i don't want to just be like here's what's happened but you know uh you'll know what i mean when you say it i think and whether or not you you agree or disagree that's kind of how i felt i just felt that it kind of was a natural progression to the climactic moment of the film which, yeah yeah i mean some people might watch it and be like oh lame but you know i i quite liked it yeah i mean it's not it's not the most unique unique thing mm. in in a film in a film like this we've seen it done probably yeah. does a half a dozen times um but at the same time oh, yeah it was it wasn't like it didn't completely derail the movie did it no and i think you know like you say in survival movies this kind of thing often happens i mean people might be smart and be able to figure out what we're referring to but sometimes characters do experience that yeah, I guess like yeah. one thing you could mention is the descent in that way, even though some yes. endings are considered ca canonical because one's British and one's Oh yeah, because American. they they, re right? they, re they reshot it for the sequel, didn't they? That bullshit yeah. sequel. They should have kept the original ending, which was I completely forgot about the sequel. Far it's superior to the uh, remake of the uh, sorry that the US shoot of the of the descent ending because the the the, yeah. the second the second ending makes no sense in my opinion I think it's stupid yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. so I I completely forgot about the sequel until it, oh like, god yeah fairly it's recently dire <laughs> yeah um I don't remember anything about it uh I guess people just go down go to the go into the cave after the people who've already gone in yeah in the first Pre one Is pretty that much pretty much um yeah. I mean, I assume most people listening have seen it, but it's basically one of the characters in the first comes back for the second. Yeah, that's right. And it's really lame. <laughs> do you want to come back? Do you want to come back down into that horrible cave? Full well, of, you nearly died. <laughs> full of full of horrible goblins. Well, not goblins, but you know, full of horrible golems. Yeah, I'll come yeah. down. Pitch yeah, black no bother. There. No bother. Yeah, stupid. But yeah, um, yeah, I do think Fall utilised that particular um narrative piece quite well. But like I say, some people might disagree. For me, yeah. for me, I mean, it was a nice, nice sort of oh, cool, you know. <laughs> I think just yeah. like the fact that the performances were good kind of mm. elevated it beyond something. Because I think sometimes, and I'm not casting any shadow of doubt over any filmmaker who's had a film screened at Fright Fest, but sometimes 
when a film does suffer from not having great performances, it can be an unbelievably good concept yeah. in terms of a film. But when those performances don't hit home, it completely ruins like the film. So something like this, the fact that performances were good really did help. Yeah, I think for me, with especially with horror films, I need to have strong feelings for a character one way or the other, whether I hate them or whether mm. I actually quite like them. And I think if I have any kind of neutrality towards a character, it kind of takes me out of the situation, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think, especially like, you know, the, they have the classic slasher setup where you have like oh, that one obnoxious one that everyone fucking hates. <laughs> but you know what I mean? You get engaged with it. Um, and I think, you know, if there are flat characters, especially with a film that relies heavily on, on two main characters, if any of those two weren't as strong, it would have suffered greatly, I think, yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So um, there we go. That that was that was full and a nice yeah. surprise, I think, uh, especially from the trailer. I kind of thought, looking Very forward to watching so. this, looks mm. looks really tense. Uh, so yeah, glad glad it it lived up to to the the, the hype, and especially being a closing film. You know, you've kind of got to. Got yeah, to there's a lot of pressure. I think if you're either the opener or the closer, it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, you got to uh, okay. land. Mm -hmm. So the next film I've got down that you saw after that, the, the films that you've seen that me and Andy didn't see. Yep. I'm gonna try. I don't. I've never said this word out loud. I'm about to say it out loud. Is it just hazard? It's hazard. Yeah. Hazard. I don't have to go. H four Z four R D. So so hazard is so this is um, directed by Jonas Govierts, stars Tom Veramir. Jennifer Halen, Frank Lamars. It's a Bel Belgian film. This was his international premiere. Um, Noah Hazard can't imagine life without his gold-coloured sports car. Um, to his little girl, it's a cosy carriage. To his girlfriend, Leah, a handy taxi. Uh, just trying to cut to the chase here. When a heist organised by Carlos goes completely, completely wrong, it's up to Noah to make his beloved Lexus doesn't end up as his own hearse. Yeah. So... Death Race 2022 Fast and Furious Turbocharged Splatter Action Movie of the Year. I'm assuming some kind of action horror film with a car. Yes. So the title with the fours in it obviously refers to like a number plate, like a custom number plate. I got it. I didn't. Um, I didn't get that until yeah. just then. <laughs> Even for yeah. the poster. <laughs> just for the benefit of like you know if, if people are kind of like what they're talking about, that's that's what it is. It's a number plate. Because because on the poster yeah. the guy's like holding a spoiler in his hand, and I was like, what is that? It looks like a set of Buzz Lightyear's little wings that pop out. It's a very cool little poster because when you come in and sit down if you've never done fright fest before they kind of have like you know the poster and they'll have like here's a title it's the world premiere or whatever so you can look at the mm. poster and they had like the guy with the spoiler and the little sort of soap head and was spoiler alert and i was like yes. oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah it was that really was yeah a really nice little poster um that's good and you kind of don't know what to expect because you look at that and you go what the fuck's going on there's a wolf in the background for example like it's all mental but it oh, really yeah. just alludes to chaotic okay heist gone wrong film <laughs> it's not scary that not a lot of the ones i saw were kind of quote unquote scary but mm. in terms of visceral bloody bit of gore it's definitely violence there and stuff yeah mm -hmm. okay. hyper violence <laughs> mm. uh yeah. so how did you find this one did you did you enjoy this was this i loved it it was quite a divisive one i think because you know you know, with Fright Fest, they pick up a lot of different titles and sometimes 
it's not going to hit for everybody you know they, they pick you know they do sci-fi sometimes a bit of fantasy but they're like bit of crime thrillery stuff like as long as it's got yeah. some kind of horror element to it it's like so, horror mm-hmm. horror adjacent kind of suddenly pretty, isn't it it's pretty like... much so mm. if people are looking for a straight horror you're obviously not going to get it here um it is funny it's a funny film it has some pretty horrifying moments in it there's a lot of sort of like Chekhov's gun moments like with the wolf i'm not going to say too much about what happens with it but yeah. when they start talking about the wolf it it builds to something, put it that way. Hmm. Um, and it's just daft. It's sort of like you're looking at this pristine car and you know it's going to get absolutely fucked up by the end of the film. Like, you know it's going to get destroyed. And you're just sort of waiting for the chaos to hit. Um, it's I try to compare, like, what, like, if you were at Fright Fest last year, there was a Kazakhstan kind of horror caper film called uh, Sweet You Won't Believe It, which was my favourite from the festival, hmm. which was basically, like, guys go on a lad's trip and it goes wrong. It's kind of like kind of carry on-esque because it's kind of like daft in its execution a little bit silly a little bit sort of what the fuck's going on but it's a lot of fun the soundtrack's bang and it's like 90s rave music it's pretty great um, oh yes someone's yeah someone, someone's <laughs> made a comment saying if you love euro techno you'll get yeah. some mileage out of this wow. yeah it's it's a hard one to explain without spoiling it but i do think if you just want a silly you know slightly gory slightly cringe film then i would definitely recommend it uh yeah. the performances were great i think it was that the lead actor it was his first feature film like debut he's done like kind of cameo so it was his first like lead lead role dimitri um, vegas i mean that is a great dimitri name. vegas yeah yeah yeah. so he, he liked my uh, little review on twitter i was like thanks mate <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, um, dimitri. yeah so it's it's one of those like, like i say really hard to explain not straight horror but i would definitely recommend giving it a go it's going to be quite polarizing this one i think yeah. Um, so in terms of like recommend it for fans of, someone's written down for fans of Crank. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Is, that mm-hmm. is that a good one? I'm trying to think. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think what, what else they could. Sort of like, seems like over the top kind of. Mm. And you don't get many horrors where like cars are used all that exclusively. I know Death Race 2000 is, I think it's a lot of people consider that a horror movie. Mm. Um, and I guess like Christine, because cars are great weapons. Yeah. It sounds like I'm talking from experience. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. I've got no points on my license. It's kind of very much. I'm trying to kind of describe it. It's like man is just trying to live his life in his fancy car, and everything that could possibly goes wrong goes wrong. Yeah. On that on that fateful day, <laughs> one of those. <laughs> on, on a fateful day. Yeah. Bless him. He just wants to buy, but his car. It's not happening. That sounds good though, and it sounds mm. unique. Unique, you know when it is when, mm. when when a film like appears on a festival like this, and there's not much else on the lineup of the festival, it does kind of make it feel feel kind of special. Yeah. Um, okay, so moving on to another film you saw, Lucy Wolf Manor, directed by <laughs> Dominic Brunt, yeah. uh, with James Fleet, Jay Taylor, Nikki Evans, Rupert Procter. This is a British film. It's this was its world premiere. Um, so it's a ho- splatter horror comedy about the shooting of a low budget vampire movie in an old abandoned house deep in darkest Shropshire. Um, the full moon is bright in the night sky and a nightmare begins. Uh, I mean, I guess some sort of werewolf caper. Yeah. So the, 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 the one behind this is they're basically shooting a movie in this, in this manor house that they've rented out. There's a lot um, of like sort of meta stuff at Fright Fest. It seems there was like there is. There Andy is. saw one which there was there was like uh, 
the the one everybody dies by the end, which is kind of like a documentary shoot one, and there's sort yeah. of like a French a French remake of One Cut of the Dead, and oh. then the End Zone and the Once and Future Smash, like loads of meta mm. stuff happening. It seems meta's back with a bang. Yeah, and I I appreciate what it was trying to do. Wolfman, <laughs> um, you know, it's very much sort of crew shoot are shooting in a manor house that they have an obnoxious lead actor who's a bit of an alcoholic, bit of a bit of a twat. Mm. The director's kind of full of himself, all the tropes of, of the stereotypical film shoot. Um, and then they begin to get terrorized by a werewolf, as you said, which is essentially the basic premise of the film. There's not really a lot else to say about it, and that was kind of my problem. You know, a lot of the characters existed just to die, I think, um, which is fine, but you kind of want a bit more sometimes. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. unless unless they're killing them off well, unless they're doing something like where it's a set piece, but you don't really get any, you know, like, like for example, Saw, they have a lot of disposable characters, like in the, for example, the opening moments of most Saw films of someone in a, in a trap, and then yeah. they usually die. Um, or escape or whatever, but at least it sets up some kind of set piece, whereas this was just flat for me. It was just sort of wolf goes around ripping people up. You're like, okay, um, nothing that groundbreaking. I hate to say it, but it did get a lot of laughs in my screening, so I might be in in oh. the minority because it is it, it is Intent. funny. Like, it, you know, because okay. they are parodying like the, the film crew and how tedious it is to make a film. And <laughs> So, you know, they have it, jokes like that, but it's just, it didn't really land for me, sadly. So there, so there were jokes that were supposed to be jokes. It wasn't like people were laughing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah, yeah. So it was, yeah. you know, um, I think if you work in the industry or if you're a producer or a director or something, perhaps you get more out of it than I would because I think a lot of it was centred towards people that work in that kind of line of work. I see, I see. You know, like, oh, you know, kind of can, can relate kind of humour, you know. Are you a fan of werewolf movies in general? It's not my favourite, no. I mean, hmm. I like things like an American Werewolf in London, obviously, I mean, who doesn't? Uh, you know, and I like things yeah. like that. And I, and I like... <laughs> I can't really off the top of my head think of, of any massive ones that I've really enjoyed. It's... I don't know. It's one I'm of more, those things... More vampires, I, I think. <laughs> I always think with yeah. movie monsters, werewolves hmm. are difficult to get right because the effects have got to be really good. Now, this werewolf, I've seen some screenshots, looks pretty good. However, I've seen some comments saying looks good until you see a full shot of it. And yes. Maybe not so, not so much. Yeah. So at the festival, quite cute when the director introduced the film, uh, the werewolf came in. <laughs> so he was there in his full getup. Um, oh my god! Seriously? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I, I mean... think and he was he was just sat watching the film and he's he must have been bloody hot because it was hot in London that weekend. Um, wow. but you had these full you'll probably find pictures on twitter somewhere but yeah i i think once you've seen it in in person and then you see it on the screen you're like this looks a bit cheap yeah so i guess if, not... you, if you saw it before you even saw the movie that might have take that maybe took you out of it a little bit as well because i think so yeah with films like this it's kind of like this what you don't see isn't it when you do see if he's just sat mm. there having a having a regular popcorn and a bag of revels yeah yeah <laughs> you might just be like, well, it was it. I kind of wish that I wish they'd brought him on afterwards, you know, yeah, once we'd seen the film, like with the Q and A. But, um, yeah, again, might be in the minority. It did get laughs. It did. People seem to engage with it. Um, but I'm with you on the monster movie thing. I think keep them hidden. 
keep them mysterious mm. it's why jaws works so well for example you know i yeah. think i think if you build to the villain it's just a lot more exciting but yeah there's not a lot to say about wolf manor without spoiling it but like i say a lot of the characters just felt like they existed to simply die and i just found that a bit like all right i mean <laughs> yeah it sounds it sounds like a fairly generic sort of mm. movie i guess the setup's a bit is fairly unique for a werewolf movie but um, mm-hmm. At least it had werewolves, you know. Um, the movie Burial, which I also saw from Fright Fest, <laughs> hinted at there being werewolves. And yes, spoiler, spoiler alert, no werewolves. So that was a bit. At least you saw one, you know. Yeah, uh, I didn't. I, was, I didn't I catch Burial out. actually. No. Oh. Yeah. Um, so I guess if it takes place just in a single house and there's a werewolf, maybe recommend it for fans of dog soldiers. But I guess. Uh, nowhere near as effective as that, but still, if you like that, you might get some kicks. Yeah, I think if you like any kind of home invasion, kind of you know, cat and mouse, yeah. maybe kind of kind of style, maybe if that's your kind of thing, maybe if you just if you like watching people get picked off one by one, maybe. But yeah. it's not anything particularly groundbreaking, but for me, anyway. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, no, I totally understand. Okay, um, so moving on from that, what is the next thing I've got down that you've seen? Oh. I was going to say Barbarian, but did we talk about that yet? That feels like something we should maybe save. Let's talk about... <laughs> let's talk about Walking Against the Rain. Yeah, uh, Walking Against the Rain is a nice yeah. one. Yeah. So, uh, directed by Scott Lias, um, with Sophia Alini, Rhys Douglas, James Swanton, Johnny Vivash, uh, UK movie. This is its world premiere. Two strangers, Blair and Tommy, are navigating their way across a barren landscape in an attempt to find each other with their only form of communication, two soon-to-die battery-operated radio microphones, and a new evil in the shape of the Forsaken tracking them down. They must learn to confront loss and rediscover a trust in humanity. So looks apocalyptic monster road movie. Is that a good description? Pretty much. I think anybody who does love a post-apocalyptic film will probably get a lot out of this. It's a very, very intimate film, very slow burny, very character driven. And I think that's why if, you know, if, for example, if we're going to compare, say, Wolf Manor, you know, I think as, as, as a difference, you know, that there's a lot of character development in this as opposed to people just getting picked off. Mm. So it's a fairly small cast in the sense that Fall is as well. You know, you've got like two main characters, you've got like the, the evil and then you have Johnny's character that you run into later on, and that's about the extent of it. Um, okay. as as with most apocalyptic movies, there's not a lot of characters because <laughs> there's no one left. <laughs> um, yeah. it's a lovely film in the sense that it appeals to horror fans. But Scott Lias, um, he's actually been a connection of mine for a while because I reviewed his short film Black Mass, which okay. was about sort of. Um, it was his way of sort of personifying depression and, and grief and without spoiling it too much. But it's a, it's a theme that, that Scott tends to have in his film. So isolation, grief, depression, that kind of thing, the mental illness is, is a big focus for him. So walking against the rain, sort of these two people have a chance encounter by a walkie-talkie and kind of share how they got where they are, essentially, and what life was like before, you know, whatever happened, happened. And it's definitely, again, not going to be everyone's cup of tea and I did get some negative feedback from this film at Fright Fest you know like oh it wasn't my thing it was too slow it was whatever but I think if you do love 
you know, special effects, you know, especially monsters. Like J James Swanton, he's known for, you know, being in like host and he plays, he basically just plays monsters. That's, that's his entire jam. It's amazing. Like <laughs> his entire oh. filmography is just monsters. It's great. Um, so if you like, like sort uh, of that kind of thing. Mm. What's his name? Doug Jones, I guess. That's Doug Jones, exactly. Yes, Doug exactly. Like, like Doug Jones. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's, it's a great film. Like again, not to spoil anything, but Slow Burn has a fantastic ending. <laughs> when you see it, I hope you like it. Oh, nice. um, and it's a film that was special for me because a lot of people that I like are involved in, in the film and they haven't paid me just disclaimer. I genuinely like the film. Uh, <laughs> I so paid I, you much. No, uh, I know Johnny Vivash quite well. Um, he's an Irish actor, great guy. So he, he plays a character that one of the two leads runs into um, and he has quite a heartfelt scene. Um, it's just a, it's a lovely special little British project, quite indie, quite you know it it was on the smaller screen, so but it was a sold out Prince Charles screen and it was it was great, um, oh, nice. and it's what just nice it? to ch champion little little people, you know, hmm. little productions. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, I heard a lot of good things about this. This was one that I was probably keen to see, mm. um, and I would still like to see. Can you talk much about what this The Forsaken is? You don't know much about the Forsaken, which I guess is is kind of cool because I love a sort of how did we get here movie. <laughs> mm. I think it's why I quite you know like as I've mentioned, my favorite video game is Fallout. You kind of just encounter these people and these mm. things, and you kind of like what the fuck's going on? Um, <laughs> what the hell is that? It's just and I guess like I haven't played The Last of Us, but I guess like I, I guess with that, it's a bit of a mystery too, right? Like you just sort of like what's what's really going on? I guess. Um, yeah. So sometimes you don't need to know. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely some beasties in The Last of Us. Really, like, I don't know how you came about, but uh, mm -hmm. yeah, is that kind of like what it is? Like, then it's not you're not really sure. Yeah, you just know that the world has created these things, and you kind of have to learn to just avoid them because all they want yeah. to do is kill. <laughs> I like that though. I like it when you haven't mm. got rhyme or reason behind something. You know, these this is what pulls this. This is why this is happening, and all that stuff. I guess because you're so close to the characters throughout the film, you're under the assumption that they don't really know either. So, like, you know, if you woke up in that scenario, for example, you wouldn't really stop to check why they're doing that. You would just run. <laughs> Do you yeah. know what I mean? You'd be yeah, like, I'm not fuck this. You would you wouldn't care where they came <laughs> from. You just know that they're dangerous, if that makes sense. Excuse me. Can you just tell me where you've come from and how you came to be? Yeah, what's your <laughs> origin story <laughs> while they're trying to, like, claw at you? <laughs> before you claw my face off. <laughs> Yeah, yeah so i guess again i don't really want to ruin too much but i do think that the, the lack of context in certain scenarios does help this film mm. because you just feel like you're kind of you know the i don't know i'm trying to think of the best way to phrase this i've kind of lost lost the plot here <laughs> you're sort of you're sort of ignorant with with them i guess if that's what i'm trying to say you're kind of yeah blindsided by it all i mean a few a few choice reviews here. A slow burn with great moments. Um, Kick-ass score. Apparently mm. well. Oh, my, my friend Mitch Bain did the score. So, yeah, he's oh, great. Wow, okay. <laughs> yeah. what, kind of, what, kind of, what kind of score is it? Is it like orchestral? Is it um, electronic? Or? Mitch is mainly electronic, yeah. Yeah. So quite, nice. quite, quite ominous. Lovely. Sounds good. Mm. Um, great road trip monster movie uh it sounds good uh i guess recommended we've already mentioned fallout and the last of us maybe if you like some of those games you might like this um again i'm just throwing things out there i've not seen it uh the road 
potentially. Oh, the road's a great example. Yes. Yep. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The road. Um, thinking of other sort of post-apocalyptic walking. I mean, there's so movies. many of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like a genre in itself. <laughs> um, but yeah, that sounds great. That sounds great mm-hmm. as well. Um, and then the next film before we talk about. Yeah, if we say Barbarian to last, because I think that was quite a big, big, big mm-hmm. one as well, wasn't it? The next one is Stalker, mm-hmm. uh, directed by Steve Johnson, with Sophie Skelton, Stuart Brennan, and Bret Hart. What is in yes! WWE? Red That's Bot, right. The actual, the Surprise! <laughs> I get, yeah. I get, what, for real? Yeah. What, for real? I'm so confused. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is the British film as well. This was a world premiere. Uh, Rose is a young actor working in horror movies. See again, meta, all the meta stuff. Uh, returns to her empty hotel, forced to use the old freight elevator. She gets trapped with an unusual stranger. Um, yes. Okay, right. I, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty much only interested now in, in what Bret Hart's doing in this film. <laughs> is, he, is he the stalker? No, I hate to disappoint you. It's a fairly minor role, but... Okay. So the so so Sophie and other guy. Oh my god, that's terrible. Stuart. Stuart, thank you, Stuart. Stuart, yes. Yeah. Those two, those two are the ones you focus on. Yes. Um, I, I also got distracted by Brett. Well, I could my brain was just going Brett, 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 Brett. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Um. Yeah. Sophie and Stuart are the two main ones, and there is a theme here. You know, I think there's a lot of <laughs> films in this festival where we're quite intimate. We don't have a lot of characters. We're mm. sort of in with I them guess so it's i think like a, yeah it's like a budget thing isn't it especially with with sort of mm. films that are up and coming and first features and mm. things like that and i think with horror it can work very well like like fall i well i wasn't scared of heights until i watched fall i mean i am now but one <laughs> one of my big fears is um elevators lifts breaking down or closed yeah. spaces so for me i was like <sighs> <laughs> so <laughs> god so that's my kind of fear, you know, I, but I loved it because I love being sort of in and just like, oh, this is kind of spooky. This is cool. Yeah. You know, so I mean, obvious examples for this one, you know, Devil is a good one. Oh, if you've yeah. seen Devil, there's a, there's a film. I don't know if you've seen like a niche horror film called literally called Elevator, which is actually quite yeah. good as well. Um, so anything like that, you know, it's, it's the same kind of thing. Now, this is a great film. Uh, the writer of it. I'd followed on Twitter for like six years and we finally met at, uh, at Fright Fest. Oh, wow, uh, okay. Chris, Chris Watt. Uh, this is one of his films. It's, it's, an, it's a very good script. Again, hmm. no one's paid me. Just full disclosure. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. I, I loved I it. There's no nepotism here. Uh, I, I did <laughs> love it. Um, I think that it's very dialogue heavy, very sort of performance driven. You spend most of your time in the elevator. So you're not, again, it's not action packed. It's not, you know, all guns blazing. It's very intimate. A lot of the films this festival were, but most of them succeeded in that. Um, it's, it's great. Great little cat and mouse thing. Quite eerie, quite disturbing. You're not really sure what's going to happen next. The, the less I say, the better. But Chris was delighted that they got an 18 rated certificate for the film. So. which not a lot of films do because i think in this day day and age you have to really go all out to get in 18 you have to do something (laughs) nice little badge of honor so he was very happy that it got r-rated uh (laughs) it's yeah it's a very uncomfortable film but it's it's a lot of fun yeah that sounds good and again like 
single location or mostly single location films can be really effective. Yeah. Uh, what was Bret Hart? Was he just there just as they were getting a lift and he went, all right? And they went, oh, all right, Bret. <laughs> he's, he's basically affiliated with Sophie's character. So, she, so I, again, the problem with Stalker is I don't want to tell you too much because okay. Okay. you kind of learn things as the film progresses. So... Hmm. My advice would be, I don't even, if, I don't know if they have a trailer, but I like, don't even watch a trailer. Just go in and just watch it and just okay. let it, let it unfold because, you know, it kind of builds to this like amazing crescendo. But I think ignorance is, is bliss for this one. Yeah. Like, just don't read anything about it. Like, that synopsis you gave is, is all you need to know. That's it. Yeah. Uh, so a couple of choice reviews here. An intense and claustrophobic thriller that spins gender norms on their head more than mm. once. A gripping tale that have you rethinking not taking the stairs depends on, <laughs> depends on how many floors it is doesn't it because i always think don't know where you stand on this lucy but <laughs> i always think two floors i'm always taking the stairs three most of the time i think i'll probably take the lift um but three I'm, I've, I've been known to i've been known to take the stairs with three and, and more but i think if it's one floor it never never ever no that's that's not okay uh it's never, it's never happening I try to avoid lifts, especially if I'm on my own, because I don't like them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes I've got no choice. So, for example, like if I'm going on holiday somewhere or I'm getting the train and I've got a big suitcase, I have to get a lift, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. It's like the platform level of, of the tube and I'm just sat there like, <laughs> <laughs> am I going to be always... stuck on the underground? Like, it's not great. I haven't got a, I haven't got a fear of like getting stuck so much. Mm. I always feel about it just dropping, just like out of nowhere. Just randomly <laughs> dropping, or especially like you know, some yeah. the doors open, and as you're leaving, I've obviously seen too many horror films, and I've you know people getting their heads chopped off and getting crushed, <laughs> crushed by it. I was worried that like as you cross the threshold of the lift onto the floor, it will mm. like drop at that moment and just like split you in half. Yeah, that's my fear, my irrational it, fear. It's yeah, lifts are a weird one. I think it's because it's basically a big metal contraption that moves you up and down. Yeah. Like it's creepy, and I think, and, and you are oh, essentially locked weird. in for like a number of seconds. You're locked in. I'm, um, I'm really kicking myself. Like this is a bit of a tangent, sorry, but uh, my partner <laughs> and I are, are going to Disney World next year, and they have okay. Tower, yeah. Tower of Terror, the big fucking oh, yeah. thing where they drop you, and it's meant to be a, an elevator oh. shaft. I've agreed oh. to, to go on this fucking thing, right? And like, I don't <laughs> like ele elevators, so I, I. I love a drop ride, but I'm like, it had to be an elevator, didn't it? For fuck's sake, but yeah. Do you even get like strapped in on that, or are you just like standing in an elevator essentially? You, you, you're strapped because it's like it's like okay. a drop ride, but got you. Bas okay. Basically, they randomise how many times they drop you. Um, oh, could be it. one, could be like ten. <laughs> That's so I'm like terrifying. And yeah, it's daft because obviously it's like a family-friendly theme park. And I'm just like, oh god, it's so scary. <laughs> but like, <laughs> It's the only ride feeling. I'm really scared of, I think, that one. But yeah. Just that, <laughs> that drop feeling in your stomach, I think, is just is, is I think not it's very pleasant. We're just we're not as humans supposed to be doing that, really, are we? I mean <laughs> like you can feel your stomach move, like you say, it's not great. Yeah, it's not it's not nice. Mm. Um, but yeah, I'm sure you have fun, regardless of, of that yeah. ride. Let's I just hope I'm nice not but I'm not trapped in with my stalker or anything like that, you know. <laughs> yeah. It wouldn't be very nice. <laughs> that wouldn't be nice. That's not a way, good way to spend any any sort of holiday. No, um, <laughs> but I think if you are if you are scared of elevators, I would, and you're comfortable watching this kind of thing, I would certainly recommend. 
Scorpius. Scared of elevators, and if you like uh, Devil, as you mentioned, and mm-hmm. then the other one was Ele- a movie called Elevator. I've not seen that, but yeah, it's it's more of a low budget one, but I quite enjoyed it. Um, I mean, I'm trying to think of any other sort of claustrophobic. I mean, I guess um, I guess phone booth. I guess. If, yeah, if you want to, if you want to think about closed in spaces like that, you know, anything like watch, that, or I, even the descent, you know, just anything yeah. like that, really. Mm. I, re- I watched Phone Booth a few months ago. Uh, oh, it's brilliant! So it's the perfect time capsule of like early two thousands technology that you could ever ever want to watch. Like yeah. Mobile mobile phones and pages and phone booths and just everything mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a great thriller as well. Okay. Yeah. Um. So, last up, was this a was, no, this wasn't the last one you saw because you saw four, didn't you? So, uh, yeah. Um, but the last one that we're going to discuss uh, with you today is the movie Barbarian, um, which you watched, sat next to Edgar, right? Uh, no, that 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 was four. <laughs> oh, that was four. I'm pretty sure he watched Barbarian as well, didn't he? He might have, um, yeah. but I only I only saw him during fall, so I don't okay. know. Uh, maybe I've missed, maybe I've got that wrong, but I swear I saw on tw- on Twitter somewhere someone said that he he was there for for Barbarian as well. I don't know. Yeah, maybe you I'm might. It's, it's a it's a big screen. He might have been. <laughs> this so this was one that I was quite keen to see because uh, I'd heard some some interesting some good things, um, and it's got you know a decent a decent cast and obviously Justin Long who is always great. But yeah, so Barbarian is directed by Zach Kreger with Georgina Campbell, Bill Skarsgård, Justin Long. Uh, it's a US movie, but it's just, this is UK premiere. I don't know if it's, is it out anywhere? Is it out in the US? I don't even know. I don't know, but I do know that they did embargo reviews on it at the time of us being at Fright Fest. So okay. I don't exactly yeah. know how widely it's out at the moment. Yeah. Um, I've, I've, I'm pretty sure I've seen the trailer. So mm-hmm. in a town, in time for a job interview, a young woman arrives at her Airbnb late one night to find that it's been mistakenly double booked. Oh dear. And a strange man is already staying there. Against her better judgment, she stays the night anyway. I mean, it wouldn't wouldn't happen, would it? You wouldn't go. Actually, you know what? Let's just agree to spend the night together. But I guess, yeah, you can mm. tell us more about this. Uh, I did not like it at all. Um, oh, okay. And everyone's going to get the pitchforks. I'm like, why? Why? Okay. <laughs> well, I'm not um, serious. So I can't. I can't one be- way or another. Because it's been universally praised by people. Um, okay, and I'm trying to get my head around why. Uh, so the first, the opening bit, the, the first scene, the first sort of thing is great. Mm-hmm. I think it has fantastic sort of tension. It has a really good scary moment. It's very creepy. And then for me, it starts to lose its sense of direction after we've kind of ended that particular opener. Because mm-hmm. for me, the film doesn't really know what it's doing after that point. Got you. Um, okay. And it starts to sort of branch out into lots of different storylines that I just didn't feel had the pacing that I was hoping from the film. Mm-hmm. And it turns into a different film than the synopsis suggests it should be. But yeah. okay. some people have liked the sort of the shock and the blindsidedness of it and the, oh, weren't expecting that. For me, it's just too off the wall. I... Mm-hmm. Okay. Don't think it was a badly made film. I think the you know the effects were good, the performances were good, the scares are good. But yeah. did I enjoy it? No, and that's really sad. Okay. Um, yeah. But I can I can see why people would. I can you know if you wanted to, 
go on a batshit crazy, don't know what the hell's going to happen next roller coaster ride that wasn't really as the film was advertised, then you're probably going to get that. Mm. But for me, it just didn't, it didn't stick the landing. And um, yeah, I probably look devastated because I am. <laughs> like, I really, I wanted to love it so yeah. much. And like, people yeah. are, people are going to disagree. I know they are. And that's absolutely fine. But unfortunately, you know, you can't love them all. No. For me, for me, second to Wolf Manor was probably the weakest one that I saw, unfortunately, and that really yeah. sucks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is a shame, it's disappointing, but you know, mm. um, was it? I'm just trying to think of what I can say without spoiling things too much. Mm. Um, again, I just because I don't know as well. Was it a single sort of a single location sort of thing as well, like some of the other films? mostly but in it, an airbnb this is the thing i'm gonna try and be big but it should have been but okay. because it deviates from the one location i think that ruined the pacing a bit because it tries to go down a couple of other character arcs and narratives while the airbnb is at the center yeah and for me that took away from the the scariness of being inside the Airbnb. I think it would have worked a lot better if you spent most of your time, if not all, in that room, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um again, you know, some people might have liked the change of pace, but for me it just it just I love being locked in somewhere when I watch a film, especially one like this. And the way it was advertised, it's oh she's gonna be stuck in there for like ages or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um as it transpires, it doesn't quite work out that way. But yeah, it's you you might you might see what I mean when you see it, but it does go in a very weird direction <laughs> that I wasn't okay. expecting. And um, you know, m- maybe one day we could have a spoiler-filled discussion about it. But for me, it was just it didn't stick the land, and that was the main thing. How was how was Bill Skarsgård? Oh, the all oh, the acting was fantastic. They were all great. They were yeah. great. Justin like, Long's yeah. good as well. Justin Long's great. Yeah, as his his character is very obnoxious. <laughs> um. Okay. He plays a very interesting character. Like I'm a big fan of him. I love I love Tusk. Tusk was great. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's wild. <laughs> what, what a film, yeah. But you you get you know like you know what you're going into with Tusk. You know you're like I want to see Justin Long turn into a walrus. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> um, whereas <laughs> you, you Barbar- exactly Barbarian, what you it, no. it's such a shame. Is that and a Barbarian would... in it? Is Conan in it? <laughs> no, no, sorry, disappointment. <laughs> I'd love to speak to people that love this film and sort of get an idea as to why. A lot of people at yeah. Fright Fest, when I came out of it, like I didn't like it. I just sort of got a lot of looks like, what do you mean? What? <laughs> what? Who are you? Um, Who even are you? Um, there's a few but, comments yeah. though here on review. Someone says, um, best going in knowing as little as possible. Love the structure. Another one says it riffed mm. off a certain X-Files episode. I, don't know. I mean, what one that is. There's a lot of X-Files episodes, so, you know, if it's yeah. riffing off on one of them, maybe. Um, I'll, I'll watch it and see if I can maybe work it out. A, lot, a few yeah. other people were quite lukewarm on it, you know, kind of just saying it was all right, but nothing to write home about. Um, but a lot of people saying, yeah, go, go in as blind as possible. I don't know if I've seen the trailer. Now, before this, I was like, yeah, I've seen the trailer, but I don't know if I have. I've been getting better at um, avoiding trailers recently. I would definitely advise trying to avoid it if you can. Um, even as someone who didn't like it as much, I do think going in kind of not really known is probably the best approach because I hadn't seen the trailer. Going in blind. Um, 
but unfortunately yeah. like i say even by the synopsis alone it kind of took a turn where i was just like the, the thing is, now, now I'm talking to you, it's, it's making me want to watch the trailer just so yeah. I just find, that, find out more. See, now I'm intrigued. You know, I, I think something that does always intrigues me about movies is when someone says they don't like it because it makes me go, all right, okay. Because mm-hmm. um, you're not just telling me it's flat out boring, um, which, you know, well, we'll see. I, I, I'm, definitely, I'm definitely keen to see it as well. But then again, I'm keen to see most of the films we've, we've yeah. discussed we discussed today um okay so that is all the films that you saw lucy isn't it oh wait no we haven't discussed any shorts Did you oh yeah discuss- we yeah we had a short film showcase that i i uh, went to because i think i remember i, I actually saying that you and andy and i should have mentioned this at the beginning that i, I originally said i was going to go see terrifier too yeah and then and then i did not um because a friend of mine had a short film playing at the same time yeah okay. and i thought I'm not that asked about Terrifier. Like, it's fine. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the short film segments, if for anybody who has, hasn't been at the festival or are interested in them, I would recommend it because the amount of talent is unreal. Mm. And I like, bear in mind a lot of these are shot on like a shoestring or with like a very limited production crew or, or cast or, mm. you know, a lot of these people are, are multi talented. Like, they sort of, you know, they're producer, editor, writer sometimes actor of their yeah. own pro- of their own projects and like the creativity is incredible um mm. i loved every short that i saw i went to the short film showcase number three if anybody else saw it um oh, so there's so a, few, s- a few showcases for there is there. yeah like spliced in between the festivals so, like if you want a bit of a sort of break you know it's kind of like going to watch an anthology really it's, it's pretty cool because if they just yeah. play them back to back um oh, nice. so we had all sorts we had my mate Derry had a one in about do you know the app Headspace, like the meditation app? Oh, yeah. He basically did like a sort of cursed version of that. <laughs> like sort Very of, nice. like what if meditation app evil, basically. And it was, I loved that. <laughs> I was re- Because I used to use those kind of apps and I was like, well, I'm deleting them now. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> You've ruined um, them for me forever. Yeah. There was one about a killer Pomeranian called Eric, which was very, killer very... Pomeranian? St- very okay. very sweet eric was a very good actor <laughs> um nice one eric. There, there was oh god i'm trying to think did there was see... like a sort of yeah oh sorry go on i was gonna say did you see every everybody forgot i didn't know is that what the was one that one like somebody oh wait there sorry i don't want to don't want to get it wrong i don't know if you've got another one to mention i can i'm trying yeah i'm trying to just give examples of what i saw without like because some of them were like literally like two three minutes in length are like so short so i i couldn't possibly give you a review because they're just too short but yeah. but they were they were all great like there was one called who am i which was basically you know like guess who where you kind of ask like oh are they a boy or a girl do we know them whatever it basically splices that children's game with a gradual reveal at the end and it was it made me shit myself <laughs> oh, no. i love a short film that just gets me like i think a sh- like short is a brilliant medium for horror I think horror yeah, yeah, yeah. really benefit like a lo- loads of my favorite like um horror films are actually short. So there's a one called Bedfellows, which is horrifying stuff. Um they just <laughs> yeah. do a really good job of like because it's you know it's it's tension building until the last minute. It can yeah. be great. Anyway, um I would certainly recommend shorts if anybody does the festival and wants a bit of a break because mm-hmm. they're easily accessible. The filmmakers are usually hanging around, you can talk to them, and it's just the talent is unreal. Like you know, great great concepts Crazy. that you know could could yeah. could could be a feature easily but 
you know, presented as a, a short. A film. lot of features come from shorts as well. Do you know what I mean? So, like, a, you yeah. know, you see a lot of horrors that are commissioned and it's like based on the short film. And you're like, oh, oh. yeah. So, the only other short work. film, I only saw <laughs> one short film um, yeah. from the festival, which is called Everyone Forgot, which is about a character called Lily who wakes up on her birthday and nobody seems to care about her birthday. Um, oh. And then there's, and then, uh, she makes friends with a handyman and then there's a slow burn sort of like, I say slow burn, you know, it's only a 20 minute short film, but yeah. oh, <laughs> um, that's a long so one. Not a that is a long one, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Um, and then there's a, 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 a sinister reveal. I mean, I won't spoil it, but uh, very well made starring um, Anne Wemple um, and directed by Fia Marlowe. It was, it was good. Um, it's like, it's like well 16 made, well candles, but fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. exactly. I love that. Okay. Okay, um, so that was everything we saw. We are going to do a little awards thing, but let's uh, pass back over to Ben and Andy. <laughs> That's weird. Pass back <laughs> over to Ben and Andy. I've heard they're all right. They're half decent, these lads. Pass back <laughs> over to them. There we go then. So Lucy obviously saw films that we didn't see as well, and some of them sound good. Some of them not so much. Uh, so this is... The section where we're going to do the Fright Fest Awards. We did this for Fright Fest Glasgow. We'll get Lucy to contribute hers as well. Um, let's rattle through these, I guess, um, as, as well as we can. Yeah. First, barely feels like I've been away, Ben. Feels like the blink of an eye since I handed <laughs> over to Lucy. The mere blink of an eye. Best, right, best fright. You got anything for me? What was the scariest moment that you. Oh, best fright. I mean, the fall was basically an exercise in tension throughout um yeah that was you know that was fairly harrowing there is a moment in everyone dies in the end that was i when i when i saw it coming and then it actually happened i clasped my hand to my mouth but i can't say what it is without without spoiling the movie because it is right at the end um yeah so I, I might on the basis of of not giving away a spoiler, I might put my best scares as just the horrible tension when people are hanging off the edge of things in in fall. Yeah, that's pretty much what I went for as well. Just that constant, constant tension that you can't get away from. I mean, I can only imagine what it would be like to see it on on a real big screen, because I was, yeah. It was it was it was tough. I was watching um, on a laptop and feeling uncomfortable. Yeah. Um so yeah, that, I think that's probably the best fright for me. Um best performance. Do you have any anything down for best performance? I've what got one think? for this one. Do keep me honest on the pronunciation of her name here. I'm gonna go back to Do Not Disturb and single out the performance. Oh, it feels harsh because there are effectively two leads who are both excellent. But I think I might have to give it to Kimberly Lafayette. Lafayette? Mm-hmm. Uh, one of those. Um, sorry, Kimberly, if I've butchered your name in one or other way or both, and I've managed to fail on both of them. But I hope it makes it up to hear that I think your performance, and I've watched a lot of films, as you've heard, um, was... Phenomenal. I, I think she plays an entire range. There's some emotional scenes. There are some comedic moments. There are some physical moments. There's some emotional delivery. Excellent. Excellent. An absolute 
really solid range and really great convincing performances lovely um now even though even though you just went for one and you're sorry you couldn't do two i'm kind of gonna do two sorry uh so laura galan who played sarah in piggy i think i'm gonna have to single out her performance because yeah it was a I close was, call i was really engaged in it and i think she she portrayed so many emotions um, and in terms of a film that had so much to say she didn't say all that much and i think that really shows what a good performance it was because mm-hmm. you felt her pain you felt the torment and you also felt that conflicted um into the conflicted ideas that she kind of had going on as well and the moral questions that, that went alongside it and i think she portrayed all of that very very well um, but also i'm gonna give a special shout out to mark Patton in swallowed as well because as soon as he turned up he spanned the film i mean he t- changed the direction of the film completely for a positive and he was really chewing the scenery and really going ott um in a way that didn't like you know sometimes when characters turn up and do that it can be a bit can be a bit annoying we're like oh come on all right turn it in we're already enjoying this but no it didn't it really did elevate the movie. So shout out to Mark Patton, star of A Nightmare on Elm Street 2 as well. Good on you, um, Mark. Good on you, Mark. Um, okay, next up, I'm going to go for, just go for best director in terms of the most accomplished film director-wise. Oh, so, so difficult. You know, because, uh, you know, I think, it, I think it feels like the official awards that when you have an award for best actor, it's really tempting to, you know, that direction is part of that as well. Um, but I'm going to try for the purposes of being a little, a little bit different and going uh, and taking a different direction on this. Um, I might give this one to, again, help me with a, surname and Carlotta from from Piggy I I really enjoyed this I think there was some there was some great direction again I appreciated the the mix of the the comedic but also the seriousness and I think the work with the bullies was really effective and it's a film that's worth worth thinking about there there are several films I really enjoyed for different reasons I could have called out Final Cut I could Mm -hmm. have you know I could have called out John Ainsley from do not disturb again. Uh, yeah, but I think I'm going to go for Carlotta on this one. Mm-hmm. I've got Dan Carlotta Pareto as well, as well as Carter Smith from Carter Smith from Swallowed. I'm not. I don't know why I'm giving it to Andy. I'm sorry. Uh, just because I think those were the most accomplished sort of movies. They looked. I think they looked the best. And in terms of Piggy, I felt like it had so many different complex narrative issues that it tackled and you know the horror moments that felt genuinely horror from a genuine horror film and the horror moments that felt like they were from just like a teen drama or something like that really effective um and i think that film looked great as well i love the sun bleached sort of texas chainsaw massacre style as well that went alongside it um and carter smith for swallowed just because as i obviously mentioned being an lgbtq sort of drama with body horror is like a really interesting take um and i think he did really well with all of the actors he had at his disposal um it really it was effective um so i guess with all that in mind what is our film of the festival obviously we'll ask lucy for loosely <laughs> loosely ask lucy for her, for her. roughly what was your favorite film roughly what was your favorite i mean you could tell me that we'll have hers as well and then we'll i guess um at the end 
of the show. Sorry, um, maybe on our socials we'll put out what is our film of the festival completely. Oh, do, do you want to go first, Ben? Have you firmed up your answer? I might need to wrestle with this for a moment longer. Do you, I mean, do you... it's a, right. So I'll give my reason. I'll, I'll, I will decide on one, but I'll give my reasons for it. So I think Fall is like a really accomplished, tense film with a great cast and it looks great. And it's the kind of film I would have loved to see on the big screen. It feels like a big event movie. Um, and, you know, I am quite scared of fights so that affected me. Um, but for all the reasons I've previously mentioned, I think Piggy was the one. Piggy was the film that when the list of movies that were being shown at Fright Fest came out, that was the one that stood out to me because I think I'd already seen some promo. I'd seen that it shown at um, Sundance as well. Uh, so, yeah, I think for that, in terms of everything that it achieved and everything I've mentioned already, I think Piggy was the one for me that that really did stick with me it was the first one i watched of everything as well and it's still the one i'm probably thinking about the most so i think that means it's effective you know what ben in many ways you've kind of helped me because i was wrestling with i was wrestling with piggy getting a mention already but i'm going to use classic reality tv ploy here that someone else already voted for that so i can wash it water it down by giving a, a, a slightly different answer I, I think piggy deserves a lot of accolade uh, I, I really enjoyed it, but I think um, I'm going to single out Do Not Disturb then as as the one I will give my my award to. Again, emotionally complex, still funny, and I'm coming away like uh, the director, John Ainsley, does have a body of work and some other short films that I'm now off the strength of seeing this and having just a little inkling of some of his previous work. I'm really hungry to go and hunt down the rest of his films and take a look at some of them because mm. I, I feel like they're going to be very much up my street. Um, and, you know, because you've already recognized Piggy, I think I'm not taking anything away from it being such a close mm. call by mentioning a different different movie again. Also, I know we spoke to the directors, but I think that really does help sometimes in terms of like solidifying what their vision is yeah and when, and if it already if it already resonated with you and it already affected you hearing the director actually tell you everything that went into it and why they made certain decisions and gives you a little, of... it gives you further appreciation for it as well i think so you know whether that's influenced or not maybe if anything that encourages other film directors to make sure they invest the time to come and talk to us because at least then it will Give us an yeah. even more strong impression of their movie, um, but yeah, there we go. I, I would uh, I'd give a polite nod as well to Final Cut. I think it doesn't like I, I struggle to necessarily single it out for an award category, despite how much I enjoyed it because I haven't seen the original to know how much of it is lifted from that. But I don't want to dismiss it either because I can't comment until I've seen it. I think it's a phenomenally made movie, but yeah, overall. Mm. Do not disturb okay. takes the crown from me. There we go. Let's find out uh what Lucy would like to um yeah, Lucy. What would you what would you award those for those four things? It's it's past Andy here to you, future Lucy. Hope you're well, by the way. Uh hope you had a good Thursday. Um yeah. <laughs> let's let's see what you've got. So did you have a best fright at Fright Fest? Yes, so for all of its flaws. Barbarian has an excellent jump scare that really got yeah. Okay. So, again, don't want to spoil where, when it is or what happens, but yeah. Yeah. I <laughs> think, okay. think there was a lot of like 
in that kind of experience. So yeah. Yeah. It's, okay. It's a, it's a good good. Moment. it's a good moment. That definitely makes me want to see it more. Again, mm. the more negative you were, the more I wanted to see it. <laughs> hey, it was nice. I gave it. I gave it. I gave it an award. I didn't even like it. I gave it an award. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even like you, but you can have an award. There I can go. appreciate what it was I'm trying nice to do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how about best performance? Oh, geez, that's a tough one because there were some good ones. Yeah. Really good ones. Oh, probably. Gonna go. You, I mean, if you want to give it to more than one. Oh yeah. I, um, I definitely, I definitely did a bit of that. Hmm. I think Dimitri and Hazard was okay. a very good comedic lead. Yeah. And also and... Sophie and Stalker. They're okay. my two. Wonderful. Um. Obviously. I mean, they were they were all great, but yeah. Yeah. I guess as you mentioned, Dimitri, um, his first like lead role as well. Mm-hmm. So that's probably why it was special. Um, yeah. Okay, best director. I I think it's a tough one. I'm gonna I'm gonna give it to Fall because of just the way it made me feel sick. Well, it moved. Like this film uh, made me fall sick. <laughs> As, as a direction style, as a choice of angles, as a choice of how they actually showed the scale of the bloody thing, I think it was impeccable, really. Direct, the director, Scott Mann. Can you name it's any Scott of Mann. the other... Do you know any other movies that Scott Mann has, has directed? He did the tournament, which I really enjoyed. Ah, you know, I was going to... Mm. I, I, I was... See, that's, that's your knowledge there. I, I was <laughs> going to... I was half expecting you to say you don't know, and I was going to give you a clue. I uh, put it in my review, you see. I mentioned the tournament. Oh yeah, so. of course. <laughs> oh, you, you, you done your research. I did my research. Uh, I did my job. <laughs> I was, he's all. He also directed that film, Final Score, which takes place uh, at, yes. like West Ham Stadium, uh, and Dave Bautista's like it's like oh, Die yes. Hard, Die Hard at a football stadium, isn't it? <laughs> I forgot about <laughs> that one. <laughs> yeah, um, and and finally, best quite a short award ceremony we did, but finally best film. Best overall film, your pick oh, of God. the festival, pick a fright fest. What do? How do I do that? <laughs> That's horrible. Oh. How do you do it again? If you want to go one, maybe two. If you can't decide, there are no rules here. I think, like I've, I've been very nice to fall. I love fall. Hmm. However, as a sort of a, as a film that kept me thoroughly engaged, thoroughly guessing, and the elevator aspect of it, it's going to be Sorgo. Just because oh, okay. of because of how it, how it all came together as an overall piece, how it ends, the dynamics. You know, I think horror is a very personal thing. So because it made me scared because of the claustrophobicness, mm. as, as, as a film, if you, if you said to me, which one did you find the most scary? I would say Stalker because of my personal fears. You know, I think a lot of people would say a fall because they're scared of heights. But for me, that's kind of a new thing that the film has inflicted on me. <laughs> I, I, I didn't see. think that I was scared of heights, but I am now. It happens. Yeah, so I think just based on my Indian fear of elevators and potential stalkers, <laughs> yeah. Stalk- stalkers, it's a great film. Potential yeah. stalkers. I great, think we're quite similar film. because I always rate the films that I'm the most scared of as my favourite horror Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Just because they're the most effective, aren't they? And the, and the, the beauty of that there. is everyone has a different one. You know, everyone's got a different fear. Everyone's got a different opinion of what makes a horror film. 
yeah. I don't agree with people saying it wasn't scary, so it's not a horror. That's a really lame excuse. But I do think if it does make you genuinely scared, then it's done a great job of mm. what it was supposed to be doing. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, great. Awesome. Well, there we go. Just trying to be uh, fair across the categories there. <laughs> very fair. Sounds very mm -hmm. fair to me. Um, okay. So thank you for joining us again, Lucy. Oh, I will put all of your um, social links and everything in the show notes as usual. I'm sure it won't be very long until you join us on an episode again. <laughs> um, but for the outro, outro's already been recorded. So let's go back to those lads. Uh, ben and Andy for the for the uh, I think there was even a point where Andy said thanks to you so if you want to pass over to Andy Lucy all right well thanks very much Andy over to you there we go so thanks Lucy that's that that's that <laughs> um that's a, that was a lot of films to cover I think if you saw fright if you were at Fright Fest or you saw any of the movies from Fight Fright Fest Flight Flest um, please tell Still us what your favourite film was please tell us what your favourite film was if you listen to this and we didn't cover a film that you did enjoy please tell us what that was and why we should watch it because um, we'd like to check out some more there's still um, so more I'd love to see from this like I really want to see the bunker walking against the rain barbarian, future yeah. barbarian there's still so much for us to enjoy from this Fright Fest I'm yeah. desperate to go next year and hopefully we'll have some additional interviews as well. But for but for now, for the time being, that is it. That's our coverage, our extensive coverage of Fright Fest done. Um, I hope you enjoyed listening. If you want to become a patron over at patreon.com forward slash horror hangout, please do. We'd like that. Thank you very much to all of our current patrons. Um, for the first time while recording this, I don't have the list in front of me. I feel like after covering after covering so many movies, can't say any more names. If you want to pull the list up, Ben, you know I, I'll encourage these people. This is uh, Fright Fest has been. I'll be quick to add an entirely pleasurable. There's been a great amount of movies, and it is fantastic from all of the studios that are partners with us to share screeners that allow us to talk about these movies, even to an event we're unable to travel to. So. We really appreciate that. Um, but I tell you what, listener, isn't our hard work. We've done now, but watch um, Fright Fest movies for the best part of a month. Uh, peek behind the curtain. It is rapidly approaching midnight on a school night for us here. Uh, I don't know about you, Ben. I'm dedication. My, 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 my alarm's kicking off at 6.30 tomorrow. I got a little run before work tomorrow. Going to be dead. Well. Going to be dead tired like that man from commando that arnie kills on the plane <laughs> dead tired not only that you've got a big old cycle on sunday as well uh, tell Take you what days away you know ever so tired I mean, i'm lucky i've been sitting down if i'd been standing up while recording this and watching these movies i'd be lousy absolutely wretched tomorrow as it happens i'm just going to be brain tired guess what my brain is what i use in my job it's going to be a tough day that's all right, though. We'll make it. You're, bra hey, you're brain tired. I'm like ear tired. I'm surprised I got so many names correct that that I was you... reading out because I usually struggle. Consummate professional, Brent. I, I think from, from this, I'm certainly coming away with the news that you at very least are <laughs> the absolute competent, the, the prince of um, prince. The, the, the prince of legitimate horror journalism over here now. The Prince of Darkness. Um, yeah, okay. So perfectly in time. Our patrons. 
John Crinan, Ben Scaife, Stephen Christopher, Laura Kendrick, Toby Miller, Ollie Child, Leslie Carlo, Julia Bilgren, John O'Dane, Nick Spill, and Pazuzu. Yeah. So thank you thank all you for, for your con- for your continued support. It means a lot. Um, so also thanks to Taj Easton for our theme music. Thanks to ACAS for hosting the show. Please consider giving us a rating or a view and head over to the Facebook group Horror Hangout Board Advisors for more. We're on Twitter at horror underscore hangout underscore. We're on Instagram at horror hangout podcast. Uh, next week is signs to celebrate the tw- recent 20th anniversary. And obviously the lineup for September hopefully will be out very soon on all of our social platforms as well. Coming so, at you like Cleopatra. That's what it's going to be doing. Coming at you like a shark with knees. Yeah. Right. Up. Yeah. Um, I mean, any other thing to say is, sorry, Ben, one more edit job. Goodbye, Lucy. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. You have to now isolate some audio over saying goodbye. <laughs> goodbye. Uh, <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for joining us, Lucy. Um, and thank you, Andy, for being a right horror dude. Thanks to you, Ben, for being a right horror dude. And thanks to all the other right horror dudes out there as well. I use dudes in a general gender neutral mm, way. So that's yeah. that's that's fine. And thanks to thanks to Fright Fest and everybody involved um in putting together what has been another successful festival year. Yes. Good work everybody. Well done, everybody. See you next year. Have a rest. See you all at Halloween. Okay. Bye bye now. Bye. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.